Anyway, we should probably start the show. Although, I don't know how much attention I'll be paying to my own words, never mind yours, as I watch this Eagles game on my phone. Consider it one. <laughs> Cast Iron Brains, a podcast that has some thoughts after listening to a rerun of a This American Life episode this week about assisted suicide, about marriage, and a podcast that will keep those thoughts to itself this week. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host, that's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's not here. Lori is uh, upstairs. It's just the dudes tonight, Abe. Look at that. No uh, no harpies or <laughs> other offensive words that I probably could come up with. <laughs> Open we'll, up the playbook. We'll, <laughs> that's right. We, we do whatever we want. Mostly what we want to do tonight, sadly, is to watch the game cast of the Eagles versus the Bucks. <laughs> Uh, a titanic clash of two 2-0 two teams uh, that could have serious playoff implications. No, it's week three. This game doesn't fucking matter. Except that I have a large... There we go. Touchdown, Eagles. Fucking fly, Eagles, fly. Let's go. Uh, and not inconsiderable sum of money uh, rests on the outcome of this game. Uh, not so much in terms of uh, what I stand to lose... Uh, but what I stand to gain. Right. Insurmountable uh, lead, some would argue. Look at that. Up by 16 points right now. Nine minutes to go in the third quarter. Eagles have to win by four and a half points or, or five points in a more coherent way of talking about it. But give, give me a win by a, by a comfortable 10 or 15, and, and I'll be much more comfortable, Eagles. Right. And, and there have been a couple of... Uh, uh, blowout games this weekend this could kind of follow along because baker mayfield you, you did not inspire a lot of confidence so there's no like chance of a comeback in the second half so he should be good i mean he can sling it that 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 maker bayfield can get it done sometimes <laughs> boy he was all over the television for a couple of years there wasn't he with the the commercials oh yeah that we're was not, uh <laughs> we're not seeing the the maker bayfield Allstate commercials or whatever the he was some sort of insurance salesman wasn't he? He was yeah because he uh, I don't remember which uh, insurance company but like he was like at the stadium like he's kind of living there that's kind of like the, the the scheme like he just happened to live wherever the Browns play right um, and yeah I, I do wonder though the, like what, what, the Browns got rid of him for that that weird massage rapist guy right and uh, just to show you there's no justice in this role things are. Kind of getting better with the Cleveland Brown. They had a solid performance this past weekend. Initially, it was looking kind of shaky, this uh, $200-plus million contract for somebody of some, you know, 
disrupt. There's no justifying it. I know that you'll justify it in terms of the relative amount paid for other players, right? Like Joe Burrow then gets the biggest contract ever, and then yes. Mahomes gets his contracts rejiggered so that he's now making more money. I don't right. know how they – it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, apparently, the contract didn't get any bigger, but somehow he's now the greatest, highest pay- – Yeah, know, whatever. It, it seems it doesn't like matter. some sort of smoke and mirrors with the – they just want that headline, right? They just want the headline like I'm the richest quarterback. Right. But uh, bottom line is uh, there's no moral or financial justification for the paying of these idiots. I mean, even if they're not idiots, like let's say they're actually very smart and intelligent people. But they're not getting paid for being smart or intelligent. $50 million a year. It's uh, it's an obscenity. It is a lot. I I think uh, your boy, uh, Deshaun, uh, with uh, 20-plus allegations against, um, he's the only quarterback or only player – altogether who has a hundred percent contract right because everything else even with Mahomes it's not fully guaranteed it's like it's right. like getting to the upper limits but it's not fully guaranteed every penny that he signed the contract for he's going to receive to Sean Watson like which no one repeated it was kind of an outlier because people are thinking oh is this a new way forward and all the other GMs were like fuck no no, no, that's thing. just the Browns. If you want to go play for them, uh, maybe they'll write you one of those, but yeah. not over here. Here's the situation with the game. Let's, let's just get this out, uh, the gambling stuff, because I will be watching this game fairly closely here as we go along. The uh, six-way parlay, I bet $10. Uh, it was six different games. I hit the first five out of six yesterday, which is like the ideal situation coming into a Monday. It's like, okay, I've hit... A large portion of what needs to happen for my bet to be successful, and I just need one more thing. And what that sets up is the ability to either hedge your bet or simply cash it out for a nice uh, profitable return. So going into tonight's game, FanDuel, which is uh, not a sponsor of the show but is the betting app of choice at this particular podcast here in Virginia anyway, uh, was offering me uh, just $200. They're like, here, you've – we don't know what's going to happen tonight, but you've put $10 in. We're just going to ha- – we'll give you $211 right now if you just walk away. Right. Hey, we don't want to mess around anymore. You could lose that $10 or you could gain $211 right now and we'd be done. And I, I chose not to do that. And further, I chose not to hedge my bet by betting some moderate to substantial sum on the bucks – to cover the four and a half points, right? To to right. to win right. with the four and a half point advantage, it, was that foolish of me? Abe? Well, is, let me was, ask you: um, Is your motivation for not doing that? Uh, is it because you're not superstitious, so like there's no need for that, or it's because you remain confident that, especially of all the different legs of the parlay, this one you're confident in, right? So like if you cleared all the other hurdles. Like it's this is a shoe in. See, but see, it's not confidence because the way that I figure out the bets that I'm going to make on any given Saturday or Sunday morning is that I'm sitting there drinking my coffee and I'm looking at the bets and I'm saying that one and then that one and I'm doing no further research. It's just click. That oh, that strikes me as 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 a thing that might happen. Click, click, click. And through many years of this, because is I think my third NFL season that it's been legal here in Virginia. And then of course, a long time ago, there were uh, extra legal means of, of doing sports gambling. Uh, 
I have never hit a parlay of this size before, a, a six-way and that's my for some I don't know why, but that's always been my preference. There's something about the turn ten dollars into something between ridiculous. four and six hundred dollars right. that really appeals to me. There's something about like getting to that approximate return that's like that's that's what I'm aiming for. Right. And I've never hit one. I've hit five out of six a bunch of times. It's never happened. It's finally. I mean, it, it looks it's pretty ha- good. I mean, right come now. on, it's yeah. happened. It's already happened. The people who first are of all, fuck to this, you, fuck you, stop it. Because the last to... time that I was this close was like twenty oh nine, and <laughs> and you posted publicly on Facebook, like all that Bob Howard needs to do uh, to hit his parlay is for whatever game was on in like the ten o'clock slot, like some Pac ten game was what my parlay rested on, and it was one of these six way deals where I was going to make like four or five hundred dollars. And that team immediately, like within 15 minutes of you posting that, the team starts getting blown out, and I was fucked. Uh, I but that, the so that happens again. I mean, come on. <laughs> right. Uh, the point, though, is that I'm not exactly in the gambling. As I've said before, my my goal as a gambler is just to be a subsistence better. Right. Like I just want to keep enough money in the gambling app to guarantee that next Saturday or next Sunday when I'm sitting on the couch and I'm uh, drinking my coffee and thinking about football, that I can throw another 25 to $50 on the weekend's games and just see what happens. Uh, and if I lose all of my money in the gambling app, I mean, I eventually, I guess I would reload money into it, but I haven't in the right. three years that I've been doing this. I've just been keeping a, a, a a nice little nest egg there in the gambling app and it it waxes and wanes as one would expect currently it's disastrously low uh it was down with this bet to uh double digits for the first time like like under a hundred dollars was my total times you're down in the app for the first time in a while, I got down below $100 like halfway through the season last year and then hit a couple of bets. This is all very uh, thrilling content, I'm sure. Uh, but I hadn't hit anything in the weeks, the first few weeks of the season. I lost some money on baseball as the, as the year went on. So I was down as low as I've been basically ever. And like the smart thing to do would A, just be to cash it out, right? Just right. take the $210 or whatever they were offering me before. Speaking of which, I should go check what the cash out is right now. i to so, log back so in. So it's a running kind of thing? Like uh, it's live? You can... Yeah, live. They're always like, are you sure you don't want to back on at us? Like, so right now, it's 20 to 3. The Eagles just got the ball back after a punt. It's first and 10 at their own 13 uh, with seven minutes to go in the third quarter. FanDuel says... Take three hundred and fifty-eight dollars and eleven cents right now. Right. Just do it. This you just click the button, and your ten dollars has suddenly become three hundred and sixty dollars. Uh, instead, I'm going to sit here and hold out for four hundred and thirty-eight dollars. Right, which you which should, because I mean, you I you're should. Li- you're leaving, but money. I could lose all of the money. Come but on, still, you're not it, going it, to lose all the money. <laughs> in my head, I have to convince myself I'm not losing $400 if this bet goes south. I'm losing $10, which I had gladly already spent on Sunday morning when I said uh, these six unlikely things are all going to happen in a row right. in order for me to get any money back out of this deal, right? Right. So like, part of it is I just want the thrill of having uh, 
beaten FanDuel, right? Uh, and and the way that I do that is by not cashing out and and not handing them what would now be about eighty dollars right. out of my winnings. Right. Uh, and part of it is like it's just fucking fun. Like the fun part is to say. I think these six things will happen, and then those six, six things, things happen. Right. And that's the 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 thrill right. is not in the money; it's right. the the thrill is in having gotten it right. And that's right. and also that's... Th- there's a story there that you hit on a six way parlay. Had it had had you uh, opted for the money, like a quarter and change left, that would be a coward's way out, right? And you couldn't tell that story. Honestly, you can't tell right? that fucking story. <laughs> you don't tell anybody that. Yeah, I cashed out for three hundred and fifty dollars because I'm awesome at getting five out of six right. With, like, no, you're right. a fucking jackass. But people, to go further, I mean, that would uh, give the impression that you backed out pre-game. You're giving, you're, you're backing out with the team that you you're supporting is up by seventeen when they only need four and a half. With like, let's not say supporting. All right, it's still the Eagles. Now there's a lot of bulldogs on this team, so so it's not hard for me to be excited when DeAndre Swift goes gashing up the middle for 18 yards. But like, it's still the Eagles. Right. I, I, it's it's gross to have to root for them. But like, that was not in my consideration when I started this on uh, on Sunday morning. Is there a uh... Is there a reason why the NFL is doing another doubleheader? Because this is the second week. I mean, this is three weeks in, and the first week they didn't do it. They usually do a big open when they have a doubleheader, East Coast, West Coast. Right, but those have, in the past, they've been terrible, right? They have been, but uh, at least they they separated them. Like, there'd be some Chargers game late or whatever, and there'd be, like, an early game somewhere else. But, like, now it's, like, an hour apart, maybe? It's kind of weird. Like, they had the staggered start. Yeah, I kind of like it. I'm kind of for it, I think. But what is is it is it because they have an empty slate on their fall calendar and ABC's like we need to plug in some some content? I don't know. So I know that there was that's why these games are airing on ABC and then and apparently will for the next couple of months. Yeah, Although I guess maybe to... they'll go back on that now if they're well, if they're going to get. I, I suspect they won't have time to do anything about the fall window, so they'll probably continue on the present course and they'll have something ready for. The, the- well, I guess, but what is a five month? I mean, we've not talked about this stupid Hollywood writers' strike because whatever. But Multiple what is a strikes. five month? Yeah. What does a five month hiatus really do? I mean, I'm sure that there's not there wasn't work getting done, but like, does that really ruin an entire network's plan for things? I don't know how they come up with these, but you know, uh, we just accept certain things as like, well, I guess that's the number. But they, you know, you always want like a number to kind of. Uh, uh, to to kind of illustrate like what the damage was, so like the writer strike, there's been multiple strikes. The actors are still on strike, but the writer strike, which started back in May, there's some sort of agreement in principle, um, and the dollar amount that they gave was five billion dollars. They say that somehow that they lost Hollywood in general, lost five billion dollars worth of something like opportunity cost or like some money they could have been making. So I don't know what you can do in, in these like four months or five months. Uh, that sounds made up. I don't believe that <laughs> But number that is the number I, that was said confidently on the I reject. News. I reject that out of hand. <laughs> Nora O'Donnell's <laughs> coverage said $5 billion. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I I mean, good for them, I guess. They were getting hosed on or potentially getting hosed on the on the streaming rights and the, the, the residuals when the – when the things go to uh, Netflix or what have you. Right. Take, 
the the curious thing seems to be the 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 length of this agreement. You know, so there's five billion dollar hit to the Hollywood whatever, uh, four months, five months of acrimony, and an agreement is reached, and it's for three years, right? And so like. One of the big uh, sticking points was this AI issue where the, they didn't want companies to be using images of people to kind of like, I don't know, uh, act for them. Uh, but you would think like if Hollywood wants to do this, so like three years is not that big of a deal. So we'll punt now when we have the weaker hand and then we'll circle back in three years and try again. I think that they'll continue to try this until they have the upper hand. And so maybe that'll be in three years, it'll be in six years, but it just... You, you would have thought that the uh, – I don't know how uh, these deals go. You would want a longer window so you don't have to go through this again so soon. There's too much fucking television. This is, uh, this is something that I've said uh, on the show before. I think I promised Thousand Man Jerry that I would watch Severance this calendar year. Oh, I think that show. was – to get him to stop uh, telling me to watch Severance, I promised <laughs> him that I would at some point in this calendar year uh, watch – the Apple TV show Severance. But my complaint is that there's too much fucking TV. There's way too much bad television, I think, on top of that. And, like, by the way, the Max app, you were saying before we started tonight, because uh, one of the liberties that we take with Lori upstairs instead of in the room is that uh, with Lori out of the room first, we talked about the government shutdown <laughs> before we even started recording. Like, a couple of really cool dudes. We don't uh, know when we'll get a chance to do this again. Let's talk government. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and then uh, shortly after that, you were saying that you were browsing your, your TV streaming apps, and your feeling is yes. that there isn't as much new shit here lately. And then I said... Uh, you're a liar because if you're really p- playing, paying close attention, you would be uh, regaling me with tales of what's been going on on the new Max show about uh, naked dating. Like it's uh, – there's this weird – like it's a dating show where they have just naked bodies and the person has to choose among the six naked bodies who they want to go out with. And then when they get down to the final two – I haven't watched this. I just read an article about it. They also have to take off all of their clothes right. and become subject to the judgments of uh, uh, the rest of it and and us too. Uh, seems like a bad idea. But I anyway. mean, yeah, we, we've come a long way from, oh, that the love connection? Wasn't there like a partition and it was like on the strength of like their character or their charm or their yeah, voice? <laughs> their character. Yeah. It's on the strength of their ability to make funny quips about uh, very corny sexual innuendo yeah, jokes. Right. Yes, Strike or questions. That character argument. <laughs> Basically, who can get up there in, and in uh, like Marco Rubio on the 2016 debate stage fashion make the most jokes about his giant wang and how the other guy doesn't seem like he's got as big of a fucking wang. And therefore, we should go out to uh, the sizzler that this uh, Chuck Woolery production is going to pay for. I haven't seen the show, but I assume that all the contestants, especially the man, cannot be in an agitated state when they're uh, naked, right? They have to be... uh I mean, who can state? control such things, Abe? <laughs> and also, what are we what are we considering agitated? Ultimately, I mean, agitated <laughs> for one person is simply how they present normally for the next guy. Uh, anyway, yeah. uh, gross, gross shows. I don't remember why I brought it up, except to say that there's too much television. There's way too much bad television. I'll eventually get to Severance, Jerry. Don't worry, but. 
I think that what's interesting about this uh, kick the can down the road three years thing in order for the, the studios to come back and make another deal with the, the writers union is I wonder uh, not necessarily that like AI is going to take over, but this whole content model that has blown up in the last five years where all of these, so all of the major studios are, are, First, they were furiously like buying all of their content back up, sort of not licensing it anymore so that they could. Sorry, there's an Eagles play. They got first and goal at the one now. Let's fucking go. Uh, <laughs> just just get out in front. Just get. Oh, no. Oh, no. That uh, that must have been a punt. Wait, a safety? Ah, safety. There we go. 22 to three. Uh, we love it. All right, I'm going to turn that off now. Now we'll, uh, I'm going to stop looking at it, and we're going to look at it again in like 15 or 20 minutes, and then we'll see. I don't have to watch it. Uh, anyway, there was this move by like – so HBO, uh, a former way of making money is they would like license out The Sopranos to AMC or something, right, right. To, or to, to some cable channel. And so you get to turn your Sopranos that you made all your money off of subscriptions for the 10 years that it was on your network. And now you're going to farm it out uh, in syndication and make a bunch of money that way. Then you create your own streaming service. And in order to populate your streaming service with a bunch of uh, shit that's worth watching, you can't just have that stuff be out there all willy nilly for everybody else. And so all these companies start uh, hoarding all of their content again. Uh, and then on top of that, Netflix comes along and is like just buying up everything. They're going to spend whatever billions of dollars a year on either the creation of content themselves, which is actually a relatively small number of projects, but a much larger number of projects they were just uh, sticking their name on basically, right? right? They're, like, they're like licensing it the same way that a studio would – would choose to be a distributor for a film. They, they pile a bunch of money into it and then they say, uh, this is ours now. Now we're, we saw in the last couple of years with the explosion of even more streaming services, this like, oh, well, hang on a second. People aren't signing up for HBO Max because they want to watch the first four seasons of Westworld that we're never actually going to finish the story of. Uh, so we take it off of the Max app and the HBO Max app, and now we're going to sell it back to right. uh, like Tubi or yeah. Freevee or wherever the hell it is that you can now go watch Westworld as a commercially supported uh, – like on commercial television – uh, free ad supported TV. Uh, so now, uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's like very, very quickly in, in success, in just a number of years, we've gone through like two or three different understandings of the way that content needs to be created and hoarded or otherwise farmed out. Uh, in three years, do we not expect things to be drastically different once again? Uh, I don't think that we're going, I think we've reached peak streamers like i don't think we're going to get right. a whole bunch of more of those it looks like uh abc is on the verge of being sold uh as part of like a uh, with disney is trying to unload the abc espn and hulu situation on somebody uh, so i wonder if part of the the resolution here of just deciding to kick things down the road a couple of years with the writers is to say we don't know what the world is going to look like in this regard in a fairly short amount of time and we can figure it out then right i i do uh i do think um things will change um now in which direction this change will will, will take place like over the next three years i don't know because like as you describe there were a lot of streaming services out there for some time 
Uh, but it turns out we don't need a Peacock. We don't need a Paramount Plus. Like, you know, the 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 idea is to... Right, what is, so Sorry to interrupt. CBS Now has just brought their most successful show from their streamer, That's Paramount right. Plus, which is the, the Cowboy show. Maybe I'll watch it now, yeah. But, some yeah. fucking f- crazy number of people apparently watch if CBS's numbers can be relied upon. Some some t- It's the most popular show on TV, even though it's not on TV. Uh, I've never seen even a second of it, uh, but they've just added it to their Sunday night lineup starting at the beginning. Like right. there's some two or three seasons in, but they're showing season one, episode one. Oh, that's a good idea. Uh, and, just and a I, couple of weeks ago. And I assume the opportunity is because it's because of the writers, you know, the impacts from the strikes, right? That they, their fall slate, because even though like the writer strike is nearing an end, it was indefinite, right? So when they're, they're making these decisions for what's going to go on TV in the fall, they had no answer, right? So they had to, to right. pivot to something else. So even though like they resolved it now, you couldn't wait until late October to make a decision. So this is the approach that they took, which seems like a pretty smart one. Like this, they know this is a popular show, and for all the people who have not yet watched it, uh, I guess there's still some. I haven't seen it. Uh, it'll be available on CBS for the next few months. You know, so that seems like a a good idea. But like to go back to the point, like there there is no need for a uh, once the the contra- the 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 strikes are resolved and we're into the the winter and spring next year uh there's still not going to be this en- enough support for a paramount plus or a uh a peacock like these these uh companies are trying to create a walled garden right basically like before licensing so like on Netflix or AMC you can watch an HBO show and then they kind of went to the walled garden model, like if you want our shit, you have to come to us, right? We're big enough to where you're. We're gonna drive traffic to us, and you can watch Game of Thrones on our platform and watch The Sopranos on our platform. Right. And you know who that works for? That works for people for whom this is just a sideline. This is just some other thing that they're doing. That right. works for Apple, right. which apparently, like you, like you go through the thing, and it's like. Every single one of their shows, or like some, they have a very high batting average yes. in terms of uh, shows that are apparently good, though I've never seen even one second of any of them. But people like a lot of the Apple TV shows. That works for Apple. They that doesn't matter. They have a fucking trillion dollars yes. in the bank. Like they can do whatever they want. That is something that is entirely beside the point from their core business, and so it doesn't matter. I don't think that the same can be said for the people at CBS, uh, Viacom, for the people at uh, Disney, ABC, or for the Fox people. Right. Like it's just it's just not going to work in the same way. But but the thing is, like even like a big company like HBO, and they did this merger with this other thing discovery or whatever like where they have all this all this content right even with all of their uh content uh you think that they could sustain themselves but even hbo is licensing some of their titles to netflix almost like a as a concession kind of going back to the old ways where like a show like insecure is on netflix right it's an hbo show but uh, hbo decided like hey more visibility to Netflix. Netflix is available everywhere, so whatever. We'll concede the point that they're here to stay and uh, we'll license them. So like I think the future will be some sort of hybrid like this where it's going to there's going to be some sort of contraction where I think Netflix is on solid footing. I think Apple like you said they have deep pockets, solid footing and HBO should be fine, but all the others I'm not sure 
Uh, so, but Max has gone. Max has gone from in just a few short months. The one that I would like, if I have to keep any of them, right? Like I would keep Max, probably. Like, yeah. To like, why are we bothering? Like, I go and I scroll through the Max app, and there's just at least it used to be like once a week or every other week there'd be an event movie yes. that came to Max. It's like, oh, fucking, this was just in theaters not all that long right. ago, right? And. And now it's just fucking Justice League bullshit. It's just like the only the only things that they get that are interesting or new are the the DC extended universe nonsense nonsense that I just don't care about. Unless it, like I'll watch the Superman and the Batman movies, I guess, when they come out. But like aside from that, like there's just I mean, it sounds like I'm just an old man complaining about <laughs> about the pop culture of today. But it's nothing but trashy reality shows and home improvement stuff on that app. Like, it's completely, it's not even worth visiting anymore, right. hardly. It is actually a, a, a bit of a chore uh, to uh, join you in your old man yells at cloud uh, moment. But I, I kind of have a similar thought. But, like, as I'm going through the library uh, of, of, of different shows that I have no interest in watching, I always think, like, somebody must be really happy, right? Somebody must be, like, scrolling through these options. And they're like, holy shit, zit popping, uh, schlong, uh, show me your schlong or whatever. Like all these shows, uh, I'm sure somebody's getting a joy out of. It's the same people who can flip through all of the hundreds of cable channels and be thrilled when they and, and like find something and be like, okay, yeah, I'll put that on. And like, I just, to me, I go to the streaming app in order to find something that is better than just flipping through the cable bullshit and settling for something that like, okay, yeah, I'll put South Park on because I know whatever. It's right. in the background. It doesn't fucking matter. Right. Uh, oh, whatever. But, um, you know, uh, uh, I know these are not your people, but uh, uh, the uh, smug asshole with a show, uh, kind of a, a you know a recurring thing on HBO. So like you know, th- there's the real time with Bill Maher and the real sports with Brian Gumble. So the Brian Gumble show is ending for some reason. HBO is just making these weird decisions. They got rid of boxing some time ago, whatever. Now they're getting rid of the real the, uh, uh, a sports magazine show, kind of like 60 Minutes, but just focused on sports. They did a pretty good job. It's only once a month. I don't know what the big uh, issue is, and 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 so there's not that to look forward to. Uh, Bill Maher getting old and kind of crotchety. Uh, like I'll still watch it when it's his is on. But like a lot of the tentpole shows and like the reliable something on Sunday night uh, show, no matter what, that's no longer counted on either. So it's like a lot of the the the, the strengths of HBO has kind of fallen apart because there's no show that's currently. On. Right. What is the must-watch looking yeah. forward to show for them? And it's like, I guess we'll see if the new True Detective is any good. Yeah, and, and then are we'll they see... pushing that back to kind of like try to ration it out? Right, like, who knows? And then the, there's the stupid dragon show, which I guess we'll watch because it's what we do. There's another but, dragon like, show? Well, season two of the... Oh, that's coming the... out like in 24, 25 or something, right? Right, that's what I mean. It's like a long way off. Yeah. yeah. That's, and, and, and then like other, like, uh, not to... Uh, shit on HBO any further, but uh, why not? Uh, like, and some of their recent attempts have failed. Like the Winning Time, the a show about the Lakers and the Celtics basketball eighties, AIDS, all of this stuff. You think there's a target rich environment for like a decent show, and it was garbage, and it got canceled. Uh, there was that other show with uh, Johnny Depp's kid, uh, a, a total disaster show. It was supposed to be like a a look behind the scenes of like what makes a pop star, just like the just the grossness of that industry. Right. 
And it just like the show just was not good, um, and they just canceled it. So like a lot. Of, some apparently, of the I didn't see work. I didn't see any of that either. But apparently, it's hard to tell if the show is in on the joke or making the joke at all, or right. if it's all just sort of a mess. But yeah, I'm not sure. But like, it just yeah, it's it's it's, it's uh, HBO has at the seen same time though. White Lotus is at, White Lotus is as good as TV gets, right? So like, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's fine. And uh, you know, I mean, I, I just don't know what the next couple of years looks like, other than just like their dragon show. Um, right. We'll see. Anyway, I don't know what's going to happen in uh, the larger TV landscape. It is interesting that Disney is trying to get out of the television business. Is it like a, a money pit for them? Like, what is the motivation behind that? I, I, I don't know. I think it's a question of like the writing on the wall with the, the cable rights contracts and all of that. So, like, ESPN just finished up a lengthy spat with charter like a month ago right like right at the start of football season uh or the college football season espn and charter which i forget the brand name for their stupid because xfinity is comcast is like spectrum i think is what okay. uh, charter calls their uh cable tv offering they were having a fight over the carrier cost or like how much disney was going to get for each cable subscriber okay uh and apparently Disney basically got what they wanted, which was a, a larger share, and all they had, what they had to give up, was like Charter can now offer some sort of a, a a Disney Plus deal where if you subscribe to Spectrum, you also get Disney Plus on top of that. Okay. There's a broader theme here, and you'll forgive the stretch, perhaps, but uh, since we're talking about gambling, and a couple of weeks ago I mentioned that the liberalization of the of the marijuana laws in this country. And then you combine – so you've got uh, the things that we grew up talking about, right? Like uh, we should have legalized weed. It would be better. Uh, we should have sports gambling. It's super lame that you can only do that in Vegas. Like why is there right. this weird protected status thing? Like, uh, I can just do it on my phone. Fuck it. Let us let us do this. What are you really protecting here? Uh, something else that uh, people used to complain about is I hate the cable monopolies. Uh, this is something I fucking complained oh, yeah. about. Uh my the among the big gripes with the cable companies uh, this was less my particular problem um my particular problem was that it drove me crazy that in every apartment that i ever lived in and then house that i ever lived in it's like if you want cable television there's only one option which doesn't make any goddamn sense right. like there's just no there's no reason that information cannot travel across these uh cables that are already here that the government has decided should only go to this like they make sweetheart deals with right. one particular company it's like ah oh, whatever that was my complaint other people's larger complaint was i don't want to have to pay 140 dollars to uh the one cable company that services my area in order to get 200 channels when I only watch like six of them. I, I want a smaller package. I want a boutique experience when it comes to the entertainment that comes into my house, not subsidizing. So like grandma has to subsidize all of the ESPN channels. So she's paying her 10 bucks a month uh, so that I can get the ESPN channels at my house. And I'm paying $4 a month so that she can get her gardening channel and their right. cooking channel or whatever at her house. Why isn't there an ability to pick and choose uh, the content that we want? And we fucking got it, right? right? Like we, we have completely... 
uh, gone in the other direction on all of those three things that I just said, right? Uh, uh, pot is is on the way to being uh, decriminalized to legal in uh, large, large portions of the country. Uh, sports gambling is similarly on its way in, in my state, in Virginia, it's it's regulated, but, but, uh, legal. Uh, and the same goes for these cable, your options when it comes to entertainment, things have gotten much more, uh, wide open in terms of, uh, how you can choose to consume, uh, the, the content that is widely available to us. And in many ways, it's a, it's a, be careful what you wish for sort of situation. Like I, as I said, a couple of weeks ago, I think there's going to be a backlash to the pot thing. I think there's going to be a massive backlash to sports gambling as we get uh, generate like multiple uh, years down the road right. where a gambling addiction is nothing to fuck around with. I don't have, I, I say this obviously as I'm uh, on a night that I'm <laughs> compulsively checking the scores of a game just so that I can win some money. But like, I've never had a, a problem with gambling. I had a problem with smoking cigarettes. Right. I probably, uh, if I chose to, could be an alcohol addict. Like that wouldn't be a that wouldn't be a stretch for me. I think I could get there uh, with a little bit of work. And uh, similarly with the gambling, like I can see the appeal, but I have enough of a handle on it where it's like I'm not going to be. You're not. Lori has no concern about me taking money out of the bank account or out of the mortgage or whatever to throw onto the Monday night football game. Like that's not going to be a problem for me. It is going to be a problem for millions of people uh, when this sort of when the the technology is such that it just lives in your hand all of the time, no matter where you go. a few years ago, you'd see a story every now and then about these goofy, what amount to slot machine games on your phone, where you just play a stupid level where it's like, clear the bricks, or like, uh, fucking line up the colors in the right order, and then you advance to the next level. And people were spending like $6,000 on getting bonus lives in a game that is free to play, right? A game that you get five free lives today, or uh, you could buy the bonus power-ups and the bonus lives, and they were spending on their credit cards, tens of thousands of dollars over the course of just a few months just to play these stupid what amounts to a gambling app on your phone where the thing that you're gambling is fake money and the reward is fake money. But to do that, it costs real money. So if you think that we're going to go from that to an actual gambling app where I can bet at every single second, I can bet on the outcome of the next play. That's how they advertise them to us, right? Like fucking Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad is in this ad. uh, Yeah. He's in this ad where he gets up there and he's in this like big fucking crazy like sports terror dome thing. And it's all fucking bullshit CGI. But it's like he's in this enormous thing and he's like, I'm going to bet on the very next play. And it's like they're selling it to you as something that like it just you just inject it right into your fucking brain like a like a Elon Musk Neuralink thing. And and as though this is good and then the government gets their claws into it because it's going to make a bunch of money for the schools or, or right. for the road improvements or whatever. I think there's going to be a huge backlash to that. So uh, I, I think, uh, weed and, and gambling are on two separate paths, right? I think weed in many ways, I don't see there being a big, I mean, obviously just like quality of life, like the smoking, the actual, just people having to kind of, take in all the smoke 
they'll need to kind of do something about that in in, in frequented areas like in in major cities uh but I don't see, and that's something that can that that's something that'll be handled by social opprobrium. It'll be yes. handled by the normal like, look, that's just not how things are going to be. Like people will just not stand for it, right? Right, and, and so basically, yeah, I think yeah, so that that'll just kind of fall under like these nuisance kind of things, and then there's some sort of some deterrence. It'll be social, mostly just like social shaming, and then like some sort of you know law. But so I don't think big picture weed is going to cause a big problem. I think it'll be fine. But with gambling, not only is it legalized in many states, not not in Georgia, or you know, neither uh, weed uh, nor uh, gambling is like fully legal in Georgia. Not that that's an obstacle for anything. Uh, but is there any talk among uh, politicians down there who are not of the Brian Kemp? No, I, I mean th- there was some talk of like turning like parts of downtown into like you know like a casino style to kind of attract people to come. And like right. bet on things instead of going. I think the nearest casino, like Cherokee Casino, like in one of the Carolinas, uh, like three hour drive if you're like a degenerate gambler, it's no big deal. But like they're saying, like, why are we uh, ceding all that money to those bums in the Carolinas when we can right. have some here? But nothing serious, nothing like, oh, in the next legislative session, we're going to do this or that. But I'm sure by the end of the decade, both will be legal in Georgia, but there's no particular hurry. But the, the problem I see with gambling is not only is it legal in, 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 in a growing number of states, uh, but the major sports leagues are like in league with these companies, right? They have shows surround uh, – the, the, the entire focus of the sports show you know, during the week uh, is – centered around gambling and like the impact right. of the sport has on your degenerate gambling. Right. And so like, and they have, you know, commercials throughout the game, like, Oh, uh, like in the pregame shows, they'll try to work that in. Oh, Terry Bradshaw's money. Like you can win it or you could do this. They do like live reads during the broadcast about like some, you know, whatever, some company like FanDuel or, or what have you. I think that's going to have an impact because it's not only like legal, it is like promoted to the top. I mean, they don't promote hard liquor like that, uh, but they do with right. gambling. And so I think at some point, and by the way, it is so uh, cynical, the throwaway, you got a gambling problem, call this. If you're in this state, call that. It's such a cynical uh, resolution to a problem. Like we're promoting this, like it's going to like the worst in- instincts of humans to like, oh, I can win this much money if I bet on this sure thing, right? Like, so you think that's like a quick, by the way, if you're in New Jersey and you got a gambling problem, call 1-800-DEGENERATE. That's going to right. solve the problems. It's not, it's going to create more problems. And every time kids start to sh- to watch the, show, uh, the, the shows, they're going to probably start gambling sooner than they otherwise would, maybe. I don't know, I'm just making it up. But like, I can see that being a problem. Where, like, right, my kids are already. It. My kids. Anytime we're watching a game, the question is, "Did you bet on this game?" And who are we rooting for? Right. Like that. That's the. <laughs> and it's how many years ago was the the coy Al Michaels when he was a little more competent uh, to to broadcast, where he would make mention because it was a taboo thing, you know, with Berman and others. To you couldn't directly talk about gambling. Right, but Al Michaels at the end of a Monday Night Football game would be like, well, we know who's still tuned into this one and why this is interesting for some of you guys out there. That 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 shank is really interesting for some of you folks out there, isn't it? 
that sort of thing. That was fun. Like that that was what made him one of the most fun dudes to listen to do a game. Is like every once in a while he would first of all he was great. So it's not just that he's slyly and he acknowledging had the fastball that he doesn't have anymore. He's kind of like right. pace passive. Yeah, he should probably. Right. I don't know what they're. I mean, that's a whole other story. But that Thursday night Amazon, Oof. even when they have a decent game at this point, it's like this is uh, this is not a professional level no. output. And what's his face? The uh, other guy is pretty good. I mean, the college guy is good. But like Al Michael. Kirby's okay. They have no chemistry yeah. whatsoever. But it's kind of like, hard to have chemistry with a fucking uh, old bag of bones, Al Michael. He's literally just checked out. I know, out. but like Derp, Derp Street is such a herb. Like he's just <laughs> such a. He's such a sincere person who takes That's everything yes. very seriously, <laughs> and Al Michaels is not that, right? Like, he's just not that guy, right? Uh, which is to my preference. Like, I prefer the the Al Michaels approach, but also, he's way too fucking old. He right. shouldn't be doing this anymore. And also, on top of that, the stream sucks, and it's not my internet. Isn't it's that not, something? It, what, what's up with that? I have no idea. They can't handle apparent like Amazon Web Services, which is like the the backbone of the entire global internet. <laughs> or so I've been told for many years. Yeah, right. Apparently, can't even stream a goddamn football game to the number of people who want to watch it on their service. I don't understand. Right. It. it, it uh, I, 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 you're right. I don't get it. I agree with you though. It was there's something that was cute and fun about it when it was under the table. And I think that matters. Like when it, I think it, I think it's when a vice is treated as a vice and we sort of let it slide in large part, except for like, say you like in the same way that like hookers, you don't usually go after uh, the girl working on the street, but you would go after some fucking sex trafficker who has in his employ 14 different women or something in a city. Those services. Yeah. Right. In the same way, you wouldn't go after some guy who goes down to with his buddies or something and has a has a Super Bowl pool or a, a, a one of those grids or whatever or the or the March Madness thing at the office. But if it's some giant organized crime ring that uh, some fucking asshole mafioso is running, uh, maybe you go after that. Right. Is that the more proper place for something like this? Or is that just sort of bogus conservative hand-wringing about uh, vice and virtue in the public sphere? Because um, this is as – it's as fundamental a change, those those two things, the, the, the casual drug use and the, and the gambling, that like 20 or 30 years ago – you would have heard Pat Robertson types or other moral majoritarian types talking about the degradation of society and their concern would be like you're just going to have casinos all over the place you'll have people just will have opium dens in the in the in the bars in our our local college towns or whatever right. like it's sort of happening right, right. like to to a certain extent like it's and is that the world that we necessarily want to live in and who's deciding this for us now to some extent our representatives are deciding it for us and that's all well and good uh it should be the sort of thing that uh government has its hands in to some extent what you don't want is the relationship between these giant companies and the government getting uh cozy uh, having it be some sort of an arrangement where uh one depends on the or they 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 mutually depend on each other uh for their ongoing existence and 
I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe we're maybe I'm worried about nothing at all. Uh, I certainly enjoy having access to the gambling apps, so I'm not complaining about it. Well, so, uh, so, so you know, uh, I uh, occasionally toy with the idea of coming up with a, a much better constitution than what we have now. And like one of my yep. uh, uh, concepts is you know, the working uh, name. I'm come up with a better name later, but there's a designation that would be legal but frowned upon. Right. Basically, like gambling, uh, gambling, it would fall under that designation, which is basically it's legal, maybe because like you're conceding the fact that the people are going to seek out this sort of stuff and you don't have the resources to adequately stop it. Right. People are going to go to some Argentinian website to bet on a thing like that's outside your control. Right. Like, what, what are we doing? Like, it's not worth the effort to try to stop something that people want to do. But it's not, you know, like we don't want to encourage the practice, right? So it's like legal but frowned upon. And I think gambling should fall somewhere there because it's one thing, you know, back before where it was in Vegas or on your phone as it is now. If you just kept it there, right, on your phone or or computer in Vegas or somewhere that accepts these bets, that's fine. You can't have this be like an inducement to watch a show and to watch the game. Basically, these – the league is so into this is because it's going to drive viewers to the game, right? If you're betting a six-leg parlay, right, you're going to be somewhat curious as to how those games turned out, right? And so you're going to <laughs> right. watch those games or follow them on, on the ESPN app, but you're going to be engaged somehow, right? So, like, it is in the best interest of these companies to create a bunch of these journal gamblers out there, right? So, like... It is in their best business interests to promote a bad social uh, thing, right? Which is just to have a bunch of people who are, you know, maybe most of them are going to be a bunch of bombs, but you'll have one or two who are degenerates who who will risk, you know, their their mortgage or other things, right? Like, and so, like, why are we? And I could, like, I could, like, if I had an independent income of any sort, I, it would be within my acceptable range of outcomes to spend a few hundred dollars a year on gambling. Right. Like that would be my thought process. Like I'm going to every year at the start of football season, when I start to care about it, if I don't have anything in the kitty, I'm going to throw a few hundred dollars in there. And that will be my one way that I entertain myself yes. and for the next few months. Right. Yeah. You're not trying to make a living right. off of your winnings. I'm not the person that they're really after, no. right? Like, because you're never going to get enough casual gamers who are willing to just throw a couple of hundred dollars in there every year. I'm not. I'm not the money, right? right? I'm not. I'm in no way have I been profitable to FanDuel basically since I signed up. I've never taken any money out, and I've only ever put money in once, right? It's just. It's just lived in that app, and I've suppose in some way, yes. Uh, I, I'm sure they have a, a horrible pile of my own personal data. Uh, speaking of which, I'm also fascinated by the the way that these things – and they must be – the reason that they need to be so closely regulated by uh, uh, third-party institutions is because to some extent they're going to learn a great deal about me right. and my uh, – certainly about my gambling habits and the sorts of things that I like to do. They could be customizing lines for me that induce me to do things that I wouldn't otherwise be doing, and I would have no way of knowing, right? I don't have two phones going where I have like a, 
I know what a good line ought to be over here, and then I'm looking at what the line is over. I'm not that sophisticated right. a person. I don't. I'm not worried about the outcome that much. So yeah, the uh, algorithm but they could, could could suss out like your fascination for all things Philly sports teams, right? And then they just kind of <laughs> right. highlight that. Uh, and right, who knows what they're doing to fuck with me? Right. But uh, that's sort of a, a side concern. Again, I'm not necessarily the sort of person that they're going after. Right. They're going after someone who will be dumping significant portions of their disposable income and then maybe their not-so-disposable income into the app because that – I mean that's it, how it's worked in every single version of this that's ever happened, right? Is that 98% uh, of people are just there hanging out, having a good time, and the it's the whales, the 2% of people – uh, that these people make all of their money on. Right. Uh, and the same goes for the stupid free-to-play games on your phone. Like most people are just dicking around on it while they're in the waiting room at the doctor's office and it doesn't fucking matter. Then there are people who are spending $10,000 a month on it and that's that's who they're really after. Right. And, and uh, What sort of service are you providing there right. in the end? And, and, the, and to the benefit of these gambling companies, they get – both, right? Basically, they kind of have this dragnet kind of way. They'll get the people to come and go that are just treading water, and they'll right. make a dollar or two out of them. And on top of that, they'll get the, the 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 degenerates, right? I'm sure they'll have some. I bet you they have internal like uh, words or terms for people like that. That's not positive. You probably have like a negative connotation, like these fucking assholes treading water. Wasting my time, two hundred dollar nonsense. Like, and then like right. people who are like way, you know, like just degenerates. Like, look at this person; they don't have any money, but every week they're betting on some Cowboys game, and then they're betting a lot, uh, and they're making a lot of money from them. I think at some point there's going to be some sort of uh, market correction somehow, where they're gonna say, "Okay, this is not the the approach. We can't have so much attention on gambling, right? Because, you know, as soon as the the law changed, it just kind of flipped. Everything became about uh, about gambling. Like, there are some podcasts you can't even listen to anymore because they don't even talk about the games. They only just kind of talk about it only for the sake of, like, the line. Like, oh, what do you think about right, this? Right, just in terms of the line. I mean, and ESPN just signed a huge uh, sponsorship deal with one of them, right? Like, uh, Barstool had a deal with... Uh, the pen gaming, whatever, like pen gaming owns oh, gotcha. okay. some huge percentage of the of the gambling market, and they've just inked a large deal with ESPN over the next uh, five or ten years or something like that. I don't know. It's it's probably not great. Is the right. is the bottom line? But I'm enjoying it uh, right now. Certainly, some things have happened, Abe, over the last couple of weeks that we have not discussed. Oh. Uh, and I think we are underrating them for how fucking hilarious they are. Uh, and I'm not sure why. And I wonder, as a preface, has the news gotten so absurd that we've sort of broken, like, did in the way that, like, Cartman uh, saw Ben Affleck's face? And it, it, it broke his ability to laugh temporarily. <laughs> it was the funniest thing he had ever seen. And he didn't think he was ever going to recover his sense of humor. Hey, Carmen, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, you missed him turning around. You guys, something's wrong. What? I think I just saw the funniest thing I'll ever see. And I think I blew a funny fuse. Blew a funny fuse? It was just too much and my sense of humor overloaded. I don't think anything will ever be funny again. Oh, God. What have I done? 
is it possible that the trumpeting has reset our ability to to recognize the absurd uh, in a in a way that is important? And I'll I'll just highlight a couple of things here. A couple of weeks ago, there was a a stealth fighter flying, I believe, in South Carolina. In one of the Carolinas, anyways, yeah. And the the pilot bailed out of the stealth fighter. And then the Navy couldn't fucking find it, or the Air Force couldn't couldn't fucking find it. Uh, the debris field was eventually found outside of Charleston, South Carolina. On Monday was confirmed to be the remains of an F-35 that went missing on Sunday after a reported mishap or malfunction in which the jet's pilot ejected from the craft, according to a Marine Corps official. All right, so this was the Marines. So to be clear... There was a, a training going on of some sort, or a flight was happening with this F-35, and the pilot ejected his body out of the plane, and then the Marine Corps posted on social media uh, for people to be on the lookout <laughs> for a missing stealth fighter that was flying on autopilot uh, somewhere in the Carolinas, possibly headed out to uh, out to sea. Uh, that's that's hilarious, right? Like, imagine you're the social media arm of whatever this uh, the Marines, and that's the message we need to crowdsource this. Uh, this is the message. And you're like, are you fucking kidding me? You want me to post this like to the public? And the best part of it is that then it immediately generates like a billion of the dumbest people on the internet oh, yes. talking about how. Uh, uh, I think we know where to look for the missing F-35. And then it's like a picture of Zelensky in Ukraine. Like as though what we did was we pretended we were, we were, so, were so stupid and incompetent in the U.S. military that in order to sneak a jet over to the Ukrainian war effort, we needed to pretend that a pilot ejected himself from a autopiloted stealth fighter, and then we just lost it. And that was the cover story so that we could get Ukraine a stealth fighter jet. Right. And, and then uh, to follow that logic, uh, they blow their own cover story by publicly asking for people to tell them where the plane is. Like, well, well, right. what, what's the thinking behind that? Anyway, that didn't – I mean, I, I know it – I guess it made us uh, something of a splash in the media, uh, and I'm interested to know what the real story is. Uh, yeah, you know, because I thought whenever uh, there's any uh, – th- these planes, you know, I don't know how much this particular one costs, but it's in the millions, right? It's These are expensive planes, right? right? 20, tens 30, and tens yeah, of yeah. millions of dollars. Yeah. So you have this very expensive uh, plane – they have all of these gadgets, all this technology. Some of them are probably secret to this day. Um, they have no way to like. There's no notification system that like if somebody. Well, the trans- it's a stealth fighter, Abe, and they turned off the transponder so that it couldn't be tracked. But it is still it's- stealth technology. Once you eject the human body out of it, like it won't like trigger something. Even the human know. body is stealth that it's going down. Like this- <laughs> apparently, it was malfunctioning. Anyway, it's but it's, it's an like absurdity. A, like a system to like we know where the thing is. Like we do. Other people may not know it, but we know where it is. Well, no. If you build a back door into the stealth fighter, then the Chinese can sneak into that back door too. Abe, what are you thinking here? 
Anyway, it's an absurdity that like you could see being written in. You remember that? Speaking of bad HBO shows, there was a, a Tim Robbins HBO vehicle yes. from a few years ago. Yeah, it was one like word. What was it? It's like some. It's like one word, but I forget that. Like some, some sort of like fiasco or like some like some. Yeah. Right. It was like a bad parody show, as I recall, that had like maybe one good episode. I think I watched the whole first season. Uh, Anyway, it's like a it's the sort of thing that would be written about. Sorry, two words. The The Brink. Right. Jack Black is also in this for some reason. Jack Black was in it. That's right. That was the only like sort of redeeming quality of the show, if I recall correctly. Uh, I don't know why I'm talking about The Brink, except to say that this ejected stealth fighter pilot like it's a it's a level of farcical absurdity uh, in line with that silly show yeah. from a few years ago. They probably don't have the full story out in public yet, right? Like, well, I'm sure, there's more to it than just they ejected. Like, why did they eject? I mean, this must have been a training exercise, right? If in the Carolinas, like, so what do you need to be stealth for over Colombia? Right. Who knows? Anyway, uh, eventually, I'm sure that. There will be some declassified report 15 right. years from now that explains what happened, but I guess we can't know it right now. All right, so that's one. That was, to me, obviously uh, hilarious that didn't get very much play. Uh, Lauren Boebert, uh, congresswoman <laughs> out of Colorado. This one did get plenty of uh, play in the media, but mostly in a in a moralizing and scolding sort of way rather than in the, like, obvious hilarity of the thing that's going on oh by the way abe we have a final it is uh 25 to 11 the philadelphia eagles have dethroned the uh, previously undefeated tampa bay buccaneers (laughs) and my gambling uh career can continue look at uh, that and i won't have to that's that's impressive six team parlay six team against the spread you fucking love to see it that's good it's not easy, as evidenced by the fact that I've, for like three years, done a six-team parlay every weekend and never hit one before. But anyway, here we are. Good times. Uh, fly, Eagles, fly. Lauren Boebert went to go see uh, Beetlejuice the Musical at uh, some performing arts center out there in Colorado. And uh, she took a date with her. She's apparently going through a divorce and uh, though the divorce is not yet final, she's seeing other people. Uh, that other Back people happens, yeah, <laughs> happens to be a, a bar owner who's a registered Democrat. If that sort of thing matters to you, uh, apparently it did to some people. Uh, Lauren Boebert was seeing Beetlejuice the musical, which, uh, to be clear, is a family-friendly sort of event. Apparently, I don't know. Uh, the details of it, I've never yes. seen it. I, the last, the only interaction I've had with Beetlejuice is the the Tim Burton film from 1988 or whatever that was. Not the sort of thing I would show my children anytime soon, uh, if I remember it correctly. But uh, Bobert, as I'm sure anybody listening to this has already heard, was uh, in the audience uh, vaping uh, from a, a, a electronic smoking device. Uh, not clear what exactly she was vaping. There's a, it's in Denver or Colorado, so it could have been uh, something more than just uh, flavored tobacco. Oh, like the nuisance uh, we were talking about earlier. Just this That's right. She could have been smoking weed for all we know because it's legal there, although probably frowned upon in the, you know, in the, you know, legal but frowned upon, as yeah. you might say. Yeah. 
uh, vaping and also uh, getting very clearly groped oh, by her date. By like the she's way, in. She, she, you talk about this. <laughs> this guy has quite the appetite. I mean, why even go out to the theater? He was all over it. I mean, this guy could not be stopped. Not, not a one hand groping <laughs> no. situation. Uh, he's got both hands. He All was... over the goods, and the goods are on full display. Bobert is not shy about showing off the 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 purchases that she's made, right? And the the surgery that she's had done. She's well endowed, and all of the bits are out except for the relevant uh, pointy bits, I suppose, are covered. But the guy is 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 going to town up top, <laughs> while at the same time, Miss Bobert, Congresswoman Bobert. Is Return having a favor. time of her own yes. yeah. in his lap. Yes. Now, it's not a. This has been described in the media as uh, as like a, a hand job situation. No, I did not. Which see is that. not a fair way of describing what actually went on. Which is just an over the pants groping and rubbing, which is a different sort of thing than uh, than an actual right. sexual yeah. act. This is a couple of uh, horned-up teenagers in a movie theater-type situation. That was, literally the, that was literally the energy, wasn't it? This, like, watching... This, I mean, they're, like, in their 30s, right? Um, but they're being... She is a 36-year-old grandmother, right. Abe, is uh, Ms. Lauren Bobert. Yes. Uh, yeah. But but uh, I, I, I know that she was reciprocating somewhat, but... Man, the energy on that guy, it, it, it was as if he was operating under some sort of time crunch. Like, time was, like, I've never seen so much energy. Like, my two thoughts when the story came out, one was, like. This is a very, this is a very Trumpian response to this, by the way. You're analyzing it as, like, a piece of game tape, and you're very much appreciative of how much effort this guy is putting yeah, into they're, they're his both, uh, groping technique you know uh, they they're both consenting adults right so this is uh, no right. uh, no no uh, poor behavior but uh, i mean poor behavior to the Abe other people sa- Abe says as a man who spent a good bit of time at the club and <laughs> and danced with some plus sized uh, also consenting adult women let me tell you I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, but my two thoughts uh, when I when the story came about, one was like, easy boy. Like, oh, man, this guy's getting carried away. And two, right. I did not know that they recorded people at theaters. Like, this better be just like for performing art stuff and not like AMC. Like, right. they don't need to record <laughs> that sort of stuff. Nothing's happening there. So you mentioned the recording. Of course, everything is a conspiracy theory. There were immediate conspiracies about like she's being set up. This is the deep state striking out against Lauren Boebert. As though, by the way, if anyone isn't a useful idiot out there in the world just going about their fucking day for everyone else to point at right. as the as the fucking moron right. that's Lauren Bobert right. like like the idea that democrats would sincerely work <laughs> to destroy the career of a woman who is obviously on a very uh, short glide path to destroying her career herself and having the career that she wants yeah. which is just to be some obnoxious person in the media right. or or uh, their own personal brand or what have you uh, is, is uh, seems very silly to me, but I mean, come on! This is nothing to like uh, get on your high horse and get scoldy about. This is hilarious right. that Lauren Bobert, this fucking 
like obvious bimbo of the republic sorry uh sorry but that's what she is so it's, Your words. it's what she's doing <laughs> it's the whole brand is to be a a, a hot sort of scoldy christian mom uh who everybody uh she's presenting herself as uh, in in this fashion right like, this is not me doing the work here this is what she's doing but for her to be this sort of scolding moralistic type it's not like she's a crazy uh wag your finger uh upstanding christian type or anything like no. that but still there's the enjoyment of the family of uh the, the party of family values and all of this stuff and she's out here at fucking beetlejuice uh getting groped and uh given a handy over the corduroys <laughs> to the guy sitting next to her because she's fucking wasted right. and and possibly high right. at uh beetlejuice the musical that's fucking hilarious. And, and it's, all of this would have gone unnoticed. Like this would have been another Saturday night for her had she not been overly obnoxious to the point where she has to be ushered out, right? I mean this whole thing right. is of her own making and like her denial. I, I don't think the video came out until she was like, oh, well, they're making that up. I, no, no. I wasn't, I wasn't vaping. <laughs> uh, and by the way, the first story was just – the first story that came out was Lauren Boebert was being obnoxious and like singing and dancing and right, vaping right. at this musical and had to be asked to leave. Right. And then she's like, no, I didn't do that. That's fake news. And then uh, fucking – they, they, somebody framed it as like a public records request, which for all I know, I guess this is some, in some way, the media has some rightful legal claim. There's a public to, interest? For, right. Maybe, maybe this theater is, is taxpayer funded and it's like, uh, the, the, the county performing arts center right. or something like that. Right. I didn't look into whether or not the public records request was, was a valid one. Uh, but it's hilarious to me that uh, the media was like, can we get any uh, records that you might have pertaining to this incident, please? And then the theater is like, well, we have this video. Right. And then you look at the video and uh, it's a full-on sex act nearly <laughs> By the way, taking place in public. I don't even remember seeing anything about the vaping or smokes. All I just saw was grope, grope, grope. Just like no, the first run of stories was just about the vapes, and then the video comes out. It's like, well, she's vaping, but then also that dude's getting to second base, and she's rounding third, arguably. Uh, so you, good times. I mean, that sounds like a like you know, f you know, first date, second date. Third, it's got to be past the first date, right? That seems to be a little too involved for a first date. But like, this must be early on in the relationship. This guy, he knows what he was doing, what she was doing, right? So when she's denying it, he must have been like, are you out of your fucking mind, lady? Shut up. Right. <laughs> Call attention to this. If they have tape, Just we'll be fucked. Apologize <laughs> and hope that the video never comes out, you idiot. Anyway, the Bobert thing came... I think shortly after the first story about this Virginia candidate for uh, state house, Washington Post, uh, September 11th, 2023, uh, never forget, was when this story came out. Susanna Gibson is running in a competitive district with control of the house at stake. Uh, Virginia Dem House candidate performed sex online with husband for tips. Like OnlyFans or something, or what? Uh... So OnlyFans is the one everybody goes to. Apparently, it was this site called Chatterbait, which is a it's a portmanteau of the words chat and masturbate. Which are those two uh, things uh, compatible? Both, uh, according to my, I don't want to get into what I'm into or not into too much here on this. Uh, 
I, on this well, podcast. I'm not into that, but go ahead, Bob. But the, yeah, the, the, those are two things that both in the, the way I was raised <laughs> and, and... A simpler time, perhaps. But. And the way that I have uh, lived my life for many years. Uh, those are not two activities that go together. Uh, but that's, I guess, you know, everybody takes all kinds, as they say. We're, we're the, uh, but there's this plat- platform called Chatterbait, which is... Uh, uh, perhaps if you're not familiar with it uh, intimately yourself, if you see uh, like Netflix or HBO documentaries, I think there's one on Netflix called uh, Hot Girls Wanted is the is the documentary about it. And it's about these cam girls, as they're called, who they go on the Internet in front of their webcam and they chat with uh, the, the gathered uh, dude masses there. And then the dudes uh, tip them. Like they send them money in the form of of tokens, which are uh, like proprietary dollars, basically. Sort of like if you back in the day, if you went into Athens' uh, famous strip club, uh, Toppers. Famous? You wouldn't. <laughs> What's that? Famous, you say? <laughs> I think, yeah, fucking worldwide. Uh, which I only I only had to go into Toppers once. It was for my buddy's bachelor party. Uh, it was the only time I think that I ever went into Toppers, and I was uncomfortable the entire time because strip clubs are simply not my scene. But uh, in order to tip the girls at Toppers, you had to get Toppers bucks. I don't know why. Oh, I don't. I'm sure there's some asinine law okay. that says that you can't actually tip the girls on stage, but you, if you exchange it for the toppers bucks, then they then exchange that for dollars later. I'm sure it was some fucking ripoff where I paid for ten dollars of toppers bucks, but the girls could only get yes. seven dollars of value out of it, or something awful like that. Right. right? I'm sure that was the terrible arrangement that they had to deal with. Maybe it was a, a, a theft prevention thing. You had to go through the somebody to get your American dollars back. Maybe it was a safety thing where you don't want to necessarily have all those dudes in there with all of that uh, cash. So similar to the. To that scheme and the Athens strip clubs where you exchange your dollars for uh, what were effectively fake dollars. Uh, similarly, you, you give your credit card information to the fucking website and the website turns your money into tokens, which you then use to tip the girls who are performing uh, various things so for your enjoyment. So not just revealing an article of clothing at a time. They're actually doing things on top? Apparently, yeah. Oh. So there's, uh, they do all sorts of things. Okay. I only com? I only know this because of my reading of the Washington Post okay. and my uh, viewing of important documentary films on platforms, family friendly platforms such as Netflix and HBO, and uh, probably the PBS NewsHour. That's probably <laughs> where I I've, I've gleaned all of this information through the years is listening to Judy Woodruff. Explain it to me in detail. As long as we're talking about uh, what are our kinks, as we were earlier, apparently mine is having Judy Woodruff explain it to me in great detail. Anyway, uh, you take the dollars, you turn it into tokens, and then the girls will do various things. Uh, there's there's not like a legal arrangement there. It's not like they're obligated to do the thing, right. but it's like it's a thing. It's like if you give me this, I'll do this sexual thing, which right. will be gratifying to you and your hand right. in various ways. Uh, on Chatterbait, 
this is one where it's not just girls by themselves that you can you can be a person with a with a partner okay. and in this case this was her husband uh, so they would get on the on the website there and they would log on and then other people would log on and watch as they did the sex uh, for the live uh, feed for the for the camera and then they would receive uh, compensation in the form of these tokens and uh, what happened is that uh, that's that's all well and good. That's uh, certainly legal uh, to some extent or another in most places, I'm sure, which is just you're just there having sex and other people are watching you do it. And they are uh, showing their appreciation for this fact by by handing over money. Uh, that's all well and good. What's not so good is if you then decide as a as a a person who has put their sex life on the internet for all to see to run for political office right. in a very purple district, right? Uh, not not an ideal way now, of this, winning. Uh, this, uh, I should note, this should make no difference, right? But I am curious, uh, and I'm not making any judgment. Uh, were they doing this because, uh, you know, they're like these uh, sex positive, you know, the, the hippie types? Or were they doing this under some sort of financial strain, right? Again, it should make a difference, uh, but which of the two do they fall under? They weren't hurting I, for money, I don't they? know. I don't know to what extent this was – they believe this was – I mean she's a – Susanna Gibson, a nurse practitioner and mother of two young children running in a highly competitive suburban Richmond district streamed sex acts on Chatterbait, a platform that says it takes its name from, quote, the act of masturbating while chatting online. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Anyway, uh, more than a dozen videos of the couple captured from the Chatterbait stream were archived on one of those sites, Recurbait, which is a site in which people can uh, record these videos and then post them for others to view later, apparently. Uh, and uh, some Republican operative got a hold of all of this information, oh, uh, discovered, right. <laughs> discovered the fact that the 40-year-old candidate for office was doing this and uh, leaked it to the Washington Post. Uh, there's been some pushback in very stupid ways, which is like this is – like Gibson herself has said this is revenge porn, that, that somehow this is – which it's not. Like this is just yeah, it, people it, it, found it, out yeah, yeah. that you did this publicly available thing and then they talked about it. Because of course they did. Because if you're streaming sex on the internet with your husband or anyone else, uh, and then you decide to run for office, uh, somebody's going to have recognized you in some fucking way from doing that thing that you did. And people are going to find out about it, and that shouldn't be surprising to you. And if anything, it suggests, as I heard Pesca uh, say on his show, this uh, betrays a certain lack of uh, strong good judgment on your behalf. Uh, just, just the idea that, like, not necessarily the bad, the poor judgment of uh, doing sex on the internet for other people to then send you money, but to then take it the next step further, where you don't consider the fact that that is probably a disqualifying act in the eyes of enough voters that it means you're going to lose uh, when you do run. I think that that does, in fact, suggest a sort of lack of, of good judgment I on her part. Had you know, I mean, this seems uh, like a very low-level public office position, right? So 
I don't know what her ultimate ambition is. Like, I don't know if she wants to be governor one day or whatever, but like, usually like people will, you know, if you do like something that uh, people, some people will find objectionable, like drug use, you know, you would put it in a book somewhere and then like, you can point to that book if it comes up, basically like you weren't disguising this, like you weren't hiding from it. There's a thing you learn from, you stop doing blah, blah, blah. Right. So like if she did something similar, like, and she kind of framed it around like that sex positive kind of angle, uh, the Dan Savage uh, is big on, uh, and like just say, yeah, this all oh, boom. We give and take, and we share it with the world, and like you know, you can chat with us and do other things. Like just talk it up. Like this is a thing I was cool with. I, I don't do I, it anymore. Is, this is just a form of uh, candidate outreach to yes. my uh, eventual <laughs> constituency. I'm trying to draw in the, the non-political crowd who feel disenfranchised by the system and no longer feel like they have a voice in government. <laughs> I want to be that voice. And this is just how I did outreach to my constituency. Right. Like Captain America said, whatever it takes, right? She's taking that uh, approach. But, you know, if she kind of... Uh, took ownership of it, like, I guess, in, either, like, in a book form or a podcast, just some some sort of in the before time, before the news broke, and you pointed that, she would be fine, but her reaction of saying, you know, mischaracterizing it as some sort of re- revenge porn, where this was for public consumption, I mean, it was directed toward those people that were giving you the coins, but, I mean, come on, you know how the internet works, people record right. and do whatever, right? So there was... You know, by you taking that approach, like it, it comes across as you have some misgivings about it, right? Just kind of lend credence to whatever misgivings the people who are no longer going to support you have, right? But if you kind of lean into it from the get go, it would have been like, uh, ah, hey, it's a new day and age. You know, what was that? There was that uh, congresswoman from like California, Katie something. She had to like resign because of, of like just having sex with somebody, right? Uh, I think like a staffer. That was a little right. Weird. That but, was uh, the. That <laughs> wasn't just somebody. But uh, she was having an affair with a uh, an underling in her campaign. Yeah. Right. Uh, but like there, you know, like I think we've kind of moved away. Like it, if she had from the get go talked up about like yeah, this is between consenting whatever. If she kind of played it as if it's no big deal, it would have kind of came and went. I think her resistance and her her reaction i think is going to make this be an issue and and she may i don't know i don't know what i don't know if they even do polls at that level of of office but like i don't know how this is going to shake out right uh for what it's worth the way that the post framed this like their hook for it she says it says gibson 40 can be seen in the videos soliciting tips for performing specific acts in apparent violation of chatterbait's terms and conditions which say requesting or demanding specific acts for tips may result in a ban from the platform for all parties involved end quote that's not it's not how it works that is a the re- that's a reference to the terms and conditions that apply to the dudes on the other end of the screen okay. not to the models on the on the front end of the screen so and that was something that was pointed out in the intercept today but which jumped out to me sort of right off the bat which is like how can it be a violation of chatterbait's terms and conditions when that's the entire business model right like that that doesn't make any goddamn <laughs> sense at all the entire business model is that you request 
tokens in order to perform acts, and then you do those things in exchange for those tokens. It doesn't mean that you're again, you're not coerced into doing it. It is it is just the way that the transaction takes place. Right. So I didn't understand the post's angle there. Maybe as as the intercept is insinuating. Is like they needed a way to launder this story in a way that made some to sense. It, yeah, I think you're probably so, right. So that it's so that it's palatable, and as opposed to just being uh, a sort of smear. But it's like I'm sorry, uh, I don't buy that this is just a political smear. This is newsworthy. It's right. newsworthy that somebody who wants to serve in the Virginia House of Delegates is uh an online sex performer right. like that that is something that is of it, it matters there have been porn stars who have run for office in the past that's fine and then you can have the republicans make their bullshit moralistic points on the back end about look at uh, the degeneracy of the democrat party and what uh scumbags they are and that's all that's all fine uh but to me this isn't a story that's been laundered uh through the mainstream media uh, by Republican operatives, it's just simply a newsworthy event right. uh, when a, somebody has attempted to hide their their past in some way. And also, like to some, like I would have been more appreciative of her entire situation if she'd just come out and said like a just a completely implausible lie. Like this is this is AI pornography. This is not me. This is a deep fake. It's definitely not me. I never had anything to do with it. And this is disgusting that they would even pretend otherwise. Right. Uh but I think it would be uh do you think it's like a uh, a deal breaker for enough voters to make a difference? Like the I don't this know. This age? is a district this is a district that was uh plus three Yunkin, I believe, and then lost that delegate seat to the Democrats just a year later. Okay. So it's a very easy to flip sort of district. This seems like the sort of thing that is enough to flip uh, a situation uh, in a in a relatively tight race. Uh, and I, if I were her, I would just fucking drop out. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know how— I mean, you might as well just see it through now. Like, uh, there's no advantage of, like, leaving prematurely. You never know. Sometimes just sticking around, maybe the other person does something worse, uh, and, and you come out on, on, on top. So, who knows? Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's fucking—that's another one. It's like—it's just fucking absurd and hilarious. And also, it won't be— not that this is the first time, but this will be the uh, – this is a relatively high-profile case. We're going to get to the point where uh, a lot of our politicians are people whose junk we've seen in yes. one form or fashion. Like this is, this is what's coming. This is the, this is the, the camel's nose <laughs> under the tent, uh, if you will, of uh, seeing nudes of our politicians. And it will be uh, – uh, first, that we'll have a generation of we're not sure if these are their nudes or not because it's going to be AI deepfake fucking porn of our elected officials. But like everybody's sending dick pics and, and their tits to everybody else. Right. And uh, this is a point that I've made before that like if if we've seen everyone's nude – like uh, there's the, the, the line in The Incredibles where if, if everyone is special, then no one is, right? right? 
that if we've seen everyone's nudes, uh, then uh, having seen nudes won't be that big of a deal. Uh, I certainly this is not a future that I am comfortable with right. or I'm looking forward to personally, but like. Th- this is just the first case of many that's going to be – eventually we're, there, there's going to be a president that we've – like we, we already had a president. We've had a porn star give a detailed description of Donald Trump's penis, right? right. She's She gave a cartoonish but also very detailed description of what Donald Trump's penis looks like. We will in our lifetimes uh, – and probably within the next 10 or 15 years, vote for a president whose dick we've seen or, or whose uh, bare chest, if they're a woman, uh, we have seen. Right. It's, well, it's I imag- coming. I imagine that a lot of plausible deniability with uh, most dick pics, people aren't adding their face to them, right? So it's like, oh, that could be anybody's dick. Uh, but, like, you're right. Actually, it, it, and it's not, it's not only uh, Trump. Wasn't there some uh, recounting of uh, – uh, Bill Clinton's uh, dick during his uh, uh, impeachment, like there was like some talk about it too. So it's, it's not right. uh, uncommon. And I think what was it? The first lady Melania. There was some uh, nudes uh, of her. So like I think the normalizing of just nakedness. Maybe it's a positive development for prudish America. Sure. Then Gibson should have embraced it. That's yeah, what that, she should that, have that, done. That, that, would, that would have been my advice to her. You got to lean into this. You can't just take that approach and say, yeah, so what? Who doesn't have sex? Get out of here. Right. All right. Last uh, hilarious thing in the news that I don't think necessarily got treated as hilariously as it should have been. Abe, here's a headline. Canada's House Speaker apologizes after Ukrainian who fought for Nazis was honored. Uh, (laughs) Jewish groups demanded an explanation after Anthony Rota, the Speaker of Canada's House of Commons, introduced a 98-year-old veteran of an SS unit as a hero. So (laughs) this is is from today, this afternoon. Uh, The Ukrainian man sitting in the gallery of Canada's House of Commons was a hero, the Speaker of the House said on Friday, drawing applause from lawmakers, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, and President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine, who had just addressed the chamber during his first visit to Ottawa since Russia invaded his country. But several Jewish groups responded with outrage, saying that the man, uh, Yaroslav Hunka, 98, had served in a Nazi unit known as the 14th Waffen Grenadier Division of the SS, which fought alongside Germany during World War II and declared allegiance to Adolf Hitler. On Sunday, Anthony Rota, the Speaker of Canada's House of Commons, issued a written apology, saying that he had subsequently became aware of more information and took full responsibility for my actions. <laughs> this is this is a Veep episode. I mean, this is textbook Veep. Somebody right. fucked up the research. In remarks after Mr. Zelensky addressed Canada's parliament on Friday, Mr. Rota introduced Mr. Hunka as a resident of his district who had fought for Ukrainian independence from Russia and later immigrated to Canada. How dumb do you have to be about, like, how completely historically illiterate do you have to be to not remember that if you were fighting against the Russians in World War II, you were not fighting for the good guys, right? You True. Were, That's a good point. You were, in fact, fighting with the Nazis if you were fighting against the Russians in World War II. 
to be fair, uh, no one else in that room objected. It, it took some uh, survivors. No, Trudeau <laughs> fucking stands and applauds too. It's fucking great. It, it goes to show you if if someone is, uh, you know, this is uh, maybe I'm 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 tipping my uh, my hand here. No one uh, from work lessons, but you know, whenever there's a team meeting and I am not involved in whatever's going on uh, and I have no role to play, so there's no possible question that I need to field. I just tune out. Right, like all right, people are talking. It's not about me, or about anything I'm doing. So I'm tuning out. So I assume the reason why so many people uh, did nothing or nobody like, oh, that doesn't sound right, is because oh, somebody else is talking. I can just fucking daydream or think about anything right. else. Uh, are we are we clapping for this guy? Yeah. I guess we're clapping for this guy. Let's <laughs> clap for this guy. To be fair, I don't know why he's the only one getting shit. Again, you got. The, the president of one country, the prime minister of the other country, all these dignitaries, all these people, no one says anything. Somebody has the same research. This guy was a hero to somebody. I guess not the side we're for, but he was a hero to somebody. And he's like, oh, like, come on. Trudeau said, it's extremely upsetting that this happened. <laughs> <laughs> This thing that happened was me standing up and applauding for a Nazi war hero. (laughs) The speaker has acknowledged his mistake and has apologized. This is something that is deeply embarrassing to the Parliament of Canada and by extension to all Canadians. (laughs) He sounds exactly like his South Park version of himself. Uh, By the way, uh, is it possible? Okay, I'm not uh, implying any sort of... uh, uh, bad behavior on the part of the people who called them out, right? But they, there must have been some sort of uh, awareness that there was going to be this event, right? No one thought that maybe we'll get a, in front of it to save the country, the embarrassment. Uh, and, like, wouldn't you want to think them? anybody? I don't think anybody thought about it. They're like, here's this old guy. Uh, we know that he is Ukrainian or something. We know that he was against the Russians or something. Uh, so let's here. Here's his name. Applause. <laughs> Somehow still alive. God bless him. Just prop him up. <laughs> uh, well, does this does this old man have anything to say for himself? Like uh, he's got no defense. Man, I hope not. I hope. That, I, hope I certainly hope he's not expected to defend himself at this point. Because there's no statute of limitations for these kind of crimes, right? I mean, they're not going to let this slide. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the plan is with Mister Hunka. I probably, if you're a Nazi and you made it to '98, and some fucking staffer for like the House guy, somebody calls uh, you up and they're like, "Hey, come down to Parliament for the day. We're gonna, we're gonna." We're going to celebrate you, we swear. There's this big official proceeding, and we're going to get the the Ukrainian president and the prime minister to stand up and applaud for you. And he believed them. He was like, yeah, that sounds about yeah, right. He didn't think it's like a trap. You know, like sometimes they're like, oh, they'll, they'll, they're doing a TV get, giveaway, like the sheriff's department, and they just want to get the people who uh, that's on their list for arrest. Like you would think it's one of these people. One of these situations, rather. And uh, nope, he shows up and he basks in the praise. Like, confu- I'm sure he's like confused. Like, okay, hero. <laughs> and you I think, had no Canada. idea. <laughs> the, fucking, I knew that the tide would change eventually on this. I, I just had to hold out till I was nearly 100 years old. 
On Friday, September, this is the statement from Anthony Arota. On Friday, September 22nd, my remarks following the address of the president of Ukraine, I recognized an individual in the gallery. I have subsequently became aware of more information which causes me to regret my decision to do so. I wish to make clear that no one, including fellow parliamentarians and the Ukraine de delegation, was aware of my intention or of my remarks before I delivered them. This initiative was entirely my own, the individual in question being from my writing and having been brought to my attention. I particularly want to extend my deepest apologies to Jewish communities in Canada and around the world. I accept full responsibility for my actions. Somebody told them, you have to eat the whole shit. <laughs> you That's have right. to make this it clear. Is... <laughs> this is entirely your fuck up. <laughs> uh, it, it is unfortunate that it plays right into some of the worst uh it's not even fair to call it conspiracy theorizing but like a lot of the the glenn greenwald types who are always talking about how it's a bunch of nazis who like sort of doing the useful idiot thing for yeah. putin where putin's line is we're just trying to restore we're trying to get rid of all the nazis in ukraine and then the fucking canadians are like and we do love a nazi don't we uh because because they fight the russians like it seems like the sort of thing that could be russian disinformation if it hadn't actually happened in the Canadian Parliament with Zelensky on hand, right? Like it's the sort of thing that the guys who are like the the whatever the, the cozy bear or whatever the fuck they call themselves the the Russian disinformation. Oh yeah, uh, it's, it's is it cozy? It was something. It was something vaguely gay. Fancy bear is Fancy what it was. Uh, which I have to assume. I'm sure I've made this joke before that something is lost in translation yes. Yes. from <laughs> from the Russian. I can't imagine that there's a bunch of dudes sitting around. In in the, the Russian disinformation uh, computer lab, uh, proudly declaring themselves to be Fancy Bear. Uh, but but who knows? But the assholes in Fancy Bear must be like just smacking themselves in the head going like, ah, ah, this is too good. How did they manage to do this? Like, who's was this, was this you, Yuri? How did you pull this off? It's like, no, it wasn't me. This actually fucking happened. That's why, like, the... Uh People think there's uh, a level of sophistication with uh, these things where there is not. Like you can kind of see the human failing where somebody just did not like do any bit of research. They just kind of took the whole thing like a long time ago. He was finding bad people because they're thinking Russia was always like on the other side, you know, the other side of it. And there's no more thought to it. You know, there's no like right. big scheme. It's just people doing people things. No. Never assume a big scheme right. when humanity provides all of the absurdity that we need. That is, I, I know uh, the, the 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 guy took it uh, all took all the blame publicly, but the the support staff they're probably getting shit canned, right? I mean, that, that's like everybody involved in the chain, like everybody's getting shit canned. That I mean, is. he's saying that there was no chain. He's saying, this is my guy. I've been introduced to him before. For public consumption. I, really? I mean, that, that speaks to his competence. Like, if you're, this bullshit sandwich you're eating right now, if it's true, you had no curiosity about, like, you didn't connect the dots. Like, how dumb are you really? It, you know, like. It's an old, it's an old meme, but the, the Job Bluth, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> 
It's so fitting. Like, imagine this guy. He's like, he's so pleased with himself. He's going back to the house or whatever. And he's like pouring himself a nice cocktail. He's like, man, got to meet Zelensky. I got the old guy, the round of applause. I did such a good job today. And then he pulls up his fucking phone and it's like the first email comes in. And then 150 more email comes in. And it's all just talking about how he was celebrating a Nazi uh, on the floor of parliament. I wonder what the newsroom treatment would be if Aaron Shorkin ran this episode. You know, remember <laughs> years ago where I think it was, let's say, Mandela's funeral, somebody's funeral, some big name in South Africa, and there was the the fake sign language guy. Like there was, there were all these yeah. world leaders. I think Obama was there. All the other world leaders that came to kind of uh, say a few words, and the guy next to them. Uh, is making just bullshit hand gestures, like nonsensical right. hand gestures. Turns out, like this very secure event had this very obvious, you know, uh, hole. Like some some evil doer could have just been pretending to be making signs and stabbed somebody, right? Uh, in right. theory. Uh, <laughs> between that and this, like, which is the bigger fuck up? Like, do you think that this takes the cake? Yeah, this is way. I mean, that that was also hilarious. Uh, although apparently, I've I've read things about that. There's not a good like international clearinghouse for these people apparently, because there's like the the sign language interpretation is sort of a it's much more art than it is science oh, really? anyway. Uh, because you know, you've got American sign language, which is one thing. Yeah. Uh, but then there's like it, there's not exactly a good international way of dealing with the problem oh, that's apparently interesting so that that explains i guess that, that kind of explains now like why you know like whenever there's like a music like when i went to coachella one of the years they had like a sign language person for like the red hot chili peppers or something and the person was <laughs> going on and on i'm like i don't know if this is actually all there's way more way more tongue in this version of sign language when it's the red hot chili yes. peppers than so there is also, some artistic what, what more information is gained from the sign language interpretation of Anthony Kiedis's lyrics that is not fully expressed by that writhing weirdo on stage as he dances and jumps and contorts his body in interesting and, uh, and endearing ways yeah. uh, for some of us. I'm not sure. One last thing here, since Lori's not here to hustle me along here, I'll do what I want to do. Uh, I was listening to uh, NPR and... Uh, I'm sure it's probably just my Google news feed and not necessarily everyone else's. But uh, Talking Heads is a band from the from the late 70s and, and early 80s. One of my favorite bands, I believe uh, they're the, the first or second greatest band of the 80s. Oh, wow. And I say that recognizing that they're not strictly an 80s band. But to me, if you're thinking of the 1980s, they sort of, in the same way that the Cars are not, strictly speaking, an 80s band because they started in the late 70s, they, they're just of the 80s in a way that, that matters. So uh, my emotional truth is that the two greatest bands of the 1980s are the Cars and Talking Heads, and I will not be dissuaded from that fact. Better than Hollow uh, Notes. Just, wow, look at that. Yes, uh, it's, it's a short step above uh, Hollow Notes. Uh, anyway, uh, my Google News Feed this week has been uh, overflowing with uh, articles and interviews with Talking Heads because they have uh, a, a large format release of their 
seminal rock and roll documentary, uh, concert documentary called Stop Making Sense, which I believe uh, first debuted in 1984, is one of the greatest concert albums ever put together. It was a, a, an amalgamation of, of three different concerts edited together and has long been uh, one of my favorite live albums uh, that I've ever owned. It's fucking fantastic. Uh, no uh, kidding. They should. are... Uh... AMC is going to be showing that. Yes. So apparently it, it made a whole bunch of money. It sold out uh, all of its IMAX uh, availability its first week in release and set some sort of record. I didn't read the full story on that, but it set some sort of record for a, for a concert film in the IMAX format, which is cool. I highly recommend it, Mr. Uh, you've got your AMC pass. You should go see yeah, it. Yeah, actually, I'm great. looking at the uh, show times, and you know, uh, on occasion, uh, if it's like a special event kind of thing, it's excluded from the subscription. Uh, but this is not. Right. This is part of the. Thing. Oh well, good. So, yeah. You should definitely go see it. It's absolutely uh, fucking fantastic. Anyway, uh, Talking Heads, one of my favorite bands. I I think arguably one of the best bands of the 1980s. Uh, David Byrne is the the chief talking head. He's the front man. He was the lyricist uh, and the and the the guy out front doing all this silly dancing and and singing the silly songs. They had an acrimonious breakup because after going on this incredible run of albums for a little bit less than a decade, uh, they they sort of broke up temporarily and then in like 1991 or something he's uh being interviewed and he's he says yeah i guess we're broken up we're not a thing anymore and he was apparently a real pain in the ass to work with okay. he's a, a weirdo he's uh on the as uh, somewhere on the spectrum the 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 autism spectrum whether it's asperger's or or autism or something like that uh a very unique uh, voice and force in popular music, uh, and someone who apparently it was very difficult to collaborate with. And so after a, they they burned short and and burned the candle at, at both ends as a band, and they've been not seen together much except for when they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in like 2003 or 2005 or something like that. And then now, uh, with the re-release of Stop Making Sense, they're they're doing the media tour. Okay. So they were on uh, your favorite show, the, the CBS Sunday morning oh, show. Nice. Uh, this Sunday, I saw that interview. I uh, listened to them on this interview with, with Steve Inskeep. And without playing a clip necessarily from the CBS This Morning interview, there's a little bit of... What to me feels like unfortunate revisionism about what it was like to be talking heads and to create the music that they created in the 70s and the 80s. And it's just this notion that David, because he was so difficult to work with, the question that gets asked is, do you wish that you had been an easier person to work with back in the day? Do you have regrets about the way that you had this interaction with the band? Because the band obviously is a very painful thing for them to have to deal with this guy. Maybe it started out in a, in a very uh, positive way only, but he's an exacting individual with a very clear view of the thing that he wants. And apparently that became uh, difficult to work with to the point where eventually he just stopped working with them entirely. Uh, 
and he sort of acknowledges that in the in the CBS interview uh, to an extent. He's like, at the same time that I wish that I wasn't such a difficult person, uh, I'm not sure that the music could have been made any other way, right? Like I am who I am. The difficulty or 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 relative ease, uh, notwithstanding. Uh, it produced the art that it produced, and I have no regrets about that. Certainly, like I'm, I he he still to this day he's he's got on on Max on HBO. There's this big uh, David Byrne. I forget what the name of the production is. That's right. That's but, the one that uh, I saw. That that was pretty good. Uh, was it like a Broadway thing that turned into right? There was a, a Broadway show that he put together based on a, a whole bunch of Talking Heads music through the years. And a lot of the same visuals and the same sort of feeling, certainly, of it. Um, anyway, I don't know. There's not any big conversation to be had about it. But we have this tendency to want, I think especially some many years later, to express contrition or regret about the way that we once were because we were young and stupid and we couldn't uh, we didn't know how to behave in the world yet and and now we're older and wiser and more mature and wouldn't it have been better if we had known then what we know now right. that old sentiment uh maybe we would have been better human beings to each other uh to which i say what fucking good is being better human beings to each other if the result of having been, to some extent, awful human beings to each other was this incredible output output of meaningful artistic uh, expression that fucking matters some 40 years later or 45 years later in some cases. Like, yeah, I get it. Interpersonally, it's awkward to have to sit here in this interview chair and talk about the way in which I was a complete asshole to this person, but uh, uh, look, gaze upon the results and fucking despair because it would be a real bummer if this art did not exist simply because I wanted to get along better uh, with the people in the room. And uh, to some extent, I, I, I sort of cringe at watching David Byrne have to apologize for his former self uh, when like to some extent that's none of my business, right? Like it's their interpersonal issues are absolutely none of my business. That has nothing to do with me. All I care about is the art and uh, the the feeling and the the commentary that that art was making uh, on the world at the time. And uh, to some extent I, it, their interpersonal relationships don't matter and and whatever personal growth they've achieved through the years i'm happy for them i suppose but i think that there should be no shame around uh, any of those feelings i i think uh on the whole you are correct i do wonder what um what the point of this exercise is like what is it that cuz this is not a question that only appeared once so this is a common thing where people point to like hey you're kind of a dick back then or you did a thing that didn't work out would you go back and change it i don't know what itch they're trying to satisfy with that like what would be the right answer to that question i never understood that because you can't undo the thing right um and all it does is it kind of puts people in this weird position to where which i also don't think is that helpful which is you're kind of almost making your bad behavior be inextricable from the art that you created and that's not necessarily true 
I mean, it right? You don't want to. You're you're justifying the bad behavior because of the great art that was produced, and then it becomes a question of a referendum on the art. Well, is the art worth it if it turns out you were an asshole? Right. And it's like, well, to some extent, if you're just sort of an antisocial weirdo who's a bit autistic on the spectrum somewhere and had trouble expressing your emotions, then yeah, maybe it is fucking worth it because you are who you are. But also, if you were a bent, if you abandon your fucking children, or uh, you can't separate the art from the guy who beats his wife. And he's like, well, you know, yeah, I beat up my wife, but that was just one way of expressing myself <laughs> right. in the same way that I was expressing myself in the studio, right? Like, that's obviously shitty in an entirely different way. And that's not the argument that I'm making at all. Right. No, that that's true. Uh, and, and again, and I don't understand, you're kind of almost inviting that when you're trying to link those two together. I always think the art is the art. However it came about, it kind of came about in a in a stressful environment where you're the uh, victim of the thing, right? Like something is happening to you and you're responding in this creative way and, and the art is the art. Or you're an asshole and the art is the art, right? So like that can be judged on its own. Like whether you like the music or whatever art it is, judge it on that. The behavior, I always think like every day is kind of like a referendum on yesterday's behavior, right? So like if, if, if he was behaving the same way, you have your answer. And if he's changed course since then, you also have your answer, right? Obviously, he doesn't approve of those behaviors because he corrected at some point right. to say this is not working, right? So that has been addressed. You can't undo a thing, right? So that's a ridiculous thing to to contemplate. So like what – again, going back to my question, what is the utility of this question? Like what is it that they're trying to tease out from an artist? Just to say like I don't agree with bad behavior. I mean like that's – I think a lot of it is just they want people to acknowledge that they were dumb young kids. And that, and I think that, that it's like that's the price of admission for a lot of this stuff. There's, there's a big appetite in the culture for, the, for all of the lauding that we do, for the fetishization that we have of youth. I think that we still do get a great big kick out of getting people to admit that the things that they stridently believed when they were fucking teenagers or or twenty somethings or or whatever was fucking nonsense, right. right? Like that's that's an important thing that we demand of old people is to say the things that I believed when I was younger, I was too strident and silly, and I shouldn't have been that way then. I think there's a little bit of that going on too. Okay, maybe that's uh, what it is. And I say that in part because of at the very end of this interview that they gave to Morning Edition, uh, uh, Stephen Skeep, the fucking smarm machine that is Stephen Skeep, who I don't care for. They're talking about a song, which is a great song. I will uh, play a clip here. It's a song called Don't Worry About the Government. I see the clouds that move across the sky. I see the wind that moves the clouds away. It moves the clouds.
so far be it from me to decide what a song is about or not about for everyone else, right? right? That's not my job. I can't say what a song objectively or definitively means. All I can do is take it in, uh, mix it around with all of my other influences and the, the things that I uh, believe about the world or want to believe about the world right. and uh, interpret it as best I can. My understanding of Talking Heads music especially early Talking Heads music, and that song happens to come from uh, Talking Heads 77, uh, is it's a criticism of uh, consumerist culture. It's a, it's a great deal of skepticism about the world that they inhabit and the things that they're supposed to want. Uh, he is a, a sort of angsty, disenfranchised figure is the way that I think of uh, David Byrne at this time. Uh, not someone who's a fucking yuppie, right? Uh, like He's not a fucking yuppie. And I'm going to play a clip. Steve Inskeep, uh, who is a fucking yuppie, by the way, I'm going to play this clip from the end of uh, the short six-minute interview that they did on Morning Edition a couple days ago. What's the song about? My building has every convenience. Oh, don't worry about the government. David came up with that, and I don't think anybody else would have come up with that. <laughs> My building has every convenience. It's gonna make life easier for me. I mean, what was on your mind when you started writing about a building with every convenience? I thought, wouldn't we like to live in a, an apartment that had a bathroom in the apartment, <laughs> which we didn't have at the time. We were living, Tina and David and, and I were living in a loft on Christie Street. We moved there in 1974. The city's so, falling apart all around Yeah, you. and now there's a Whole Foods nearby, but we didn't have that then. We had homeless people, and we had very inexpensive prostitutes. We would hear gunfire and congas. It was like, it was not a building that had every convenience. It was a song about what they aspired to in the years before they shot to fame. Stop Making Sense, the concert film with Talking Heads, is on IMAX screens beginning today. I cannot imagine... Hearing that song for the last, my entire life, and coming to the conclusion that Steve Inskeep comes to, which is that this is a song about aspiring to having a really nice place to live. Now, granted, he's working with what the band is giving him in this interview, right? So he asks David Byrne what he was talking about, and David Byrne gamely says... Like, we lived in a fucking dump, and so I was imagining uh, not having to live in such a fucking dump. Uh, And then the other guy, who's not nearly as interesting a person, sorry, uh, David Byrne, is is the only reason that Talking Heads matters is because David Byrne. There's no getting around it. You go listen to Tom Tom Club, which is a side project that two members of Talking Heads did when David Byrne was fucking off doing uh, solo work. And Tom Tom Club is uh fucking it's a trifle it's uh, meaningless it's it it sounds sort of the symbol 
gobbler jangly acoustic guitar thing is going on there but that's it like the, the, there's this the shadow of what talking heads could be is what tom top club sounded like I, I sus- you don't fucking matter i, I suspect uh, that um, the rest of the band has come to terms with that reality right by now I don't think they yes, uh, yes. Tom Club, Tom Tom Club does not matter. Anything that they did on their own, sorry, doesn't fucking matter. Talking Heads was the thing. Now, I'm not saying it's only David Byrne, right? There's this weird. Uh, I've talked about this before, probably, but like weird magic happens when the certain right people are in a room together, right? It doesn't mean that they all get along. Uh, in fact, I think more often than not, it means that they aren't getting along. Fucking Pink Floyd hated each other, right? They fucking despised each other. They made some of the greatest rock and roll of all time. Uh, uh, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, uh, I think, spent a lot of time in the 60s and 70s not particularly being the best of friends. Uh, this is this is common. The Beatles, they fucking hated each other for large stretches of time. The Smashing Pumpkins, highly dysfunctional band. Doesn't matter. Uh, the right people get into a room together and fucking magic can happen. And I, I think that that's a real phenomenon. Uh it's it's fucking crass and gross and sad to listen to David Byrne have uh, that song and his life's work reduced by Steve Inskeep to uh, really they just wanted more money like that. What what Talking Heads was really doing there this this youthful indiscretion this this when they were in the late seventies and early eighties and they were looking around them and what appeared to be a criticism of the world around them was actually actually just man it would be nice if we had better carpet and bathrooms and a nicer place to live and like to me it's if it's true it's super fucking sad and if it's not true and i'm then i'm sad for the fact that david byrne has to sit there and fucking listen to it uh on during this press tour like what a bummer to have to listen to people reduce everything that you uh worked for uh for your entire life your your entire artistic output and be like yeah well i think that what's really Really going on here is you were jealous of the yuppies who had fucking money. I wonder if uh, artists uh, over the years with dealing with uh, with the media and and the types of questions, you know, because sometimes they'll get high quality questions and sometimes not not as many of those. Uh, I wonder if they have like a I'll meet the interviewer at the level that they're at. So like if they give me some bullshit, I will respond in, in kind, and if they get into if they have some sort of like insight into a song if they're like actually fans i can engage with them at that level and so like once they get a question like that they're like oh this is gonna be a bullshit thing and they have this queued up like the this answer right. just to... well no wonder david byrne hated his fucking bandmates his bandmate is like oh yeah what the fuck <laughs> lyrics were you even talking about david what the a building who's even like you've had you've lived with this song in your head yeah. for 45 years You've known the guy who wrote it your entire life since then, and your answer, your 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 reaction to thinking about that song is, oh, that fucking David Byrne's a real weirdo, isn't he? It's like no wonder David Byrne fucking hated your ass, you stupid asshole. <laughs> His uh, animosity towards the other members is uh, <laughs> noteworthy, Bob. What is your problem with it? <laughs> Highly justified, obviously. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I I have long taken the position that uh, meaningful artistic output carries with it 
a certain degree of, at the very least, you don't have to be an asshole, but there's an arrogance to the belief that you have something to say that anyone else needs to hear, right? right. That is that is fundamental to our project here, uh, if nothing else, right? There must be, in my head, and to some smaller extent in yours, uh, you're just a go-along, yeah. go-along guy. I recognize that. You're here for the laughs as much as anything else. Let the record uh, show. But... <laughs> right. But to some extent, it requires a great deal of, uh, of, of self-regard uh, to one extent or another for me to have this ongoing vanity project of putting out a stupid podcast. Right. Like I, and I think that that goes for anybody who thinks that what they have to say is worth being uh, listened to or at least being heard is you have to carry with you a certain degree of, of perhaps unearned uh, arrogance, and when you see it in people uh, who are who are worthy of it, who live up to it, it can be it's fine, right? If David Byrne is sort of a pain in the ass, I think it's on balance worth it. Uh, for some other, if if it turns out that like Dean Koontz is a real fucking prick, uh, like it's 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 less okay, right? <laughs> or if like if Brett Michaels turns out to be a real shit eater, well, that would be uh, on brand, probably, right? Right, he probably is. Uh, but if he doesn't have some degree of like self awareness right. about like playing the part, uh, then yeah, I would hate him a great deal more. And I, I don't know anything about the person. I don't know why he's top of mind at the moment. <laughs> why is he top of we, mind? But why was he in the news? Bring his name up. He was on some show or some. His name came up maybe on last week's. Episode. No, I had a screenshot of a Brett Michaels news item, and I can't remember why. Now I've got to look at it. I remember up. this guy still has a. Was it like your exercise regimen? And he uh, showed up. Oh, that's right. That's amazing. It was a. It was an ad uh, in my exercise app. <laughs> that's right. There we go. It was an ad in Brett Michaels Party Gras 2023. <laughs> Meet Brett this summer on the Party Gras. Package is available. And then you have to click on the app to see what the fuck's going on there. It's like, yeah, you've really figured me out here, you exercise app. I'm doing this fucking hour of push-ups uh, in order that my body can be in, in such a phenomenal shape that I'm willing to go spend money to hang out with Brett Michaels at Party Gras 2023. By the way, I mean, this is uh, besides the point, but uh, Party Gras... I imagine is a play on words on the the, the Mardi Gras, right? The Fat Tuesday with the the whole Catholic. Yeah, thing, well past right? Mardi Gras 2023. Yeah, right. So Mardi Gras, you know, it's weird that they have this Mardi Gras in the summer. Like you think it would have it timed around the the goofy Mardi Gras, but I don't know. I'm not the one playing. Yeah, you would think, but not Brett Michaels. Fucking Brett Michaels does not wait for Mardi Gras to come to him. <laughs> Brett Michaels brings uh, party gras to the rest of us whenever he fucking feels like it with his fucking bandana and his tan. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show uh, on the internet wherever you find your podcasts and at brainiron.com, castironbrains.com. Head on over to uh, tetramermusic.com, T-E-T-R-A-M-E-R music.com for more from Mark Gillig, who is the... A uh, wonderful person who composed our opening and closing themes. Abe, I'm on my way to West Philadelphia. Oh, look at that. This weekend, we're going to my brother's uh, wedding. He's uh, getting married to uh, Dre. It's going to be a good time. It's not actually West. It's West of Philadelphia. Okay. But I think it's kind of funny to imagine that we're going to 
the the place where the Fresh Prince came from uh, before he moved out to Beverly Hills. I, I do wonder uh, if uh, for this wedding has West Philadelphia like gentrified. You should uh, look into it. You know, maybe it's not that. I don't know. Uh, my brother he went to Temple up there, and I. Uh, I know that some parts of Philadelphia have turned themselves around, but certainly not all of them. Right. Uh, it's not a great time in the entire city. But anyway, I won't be making it to the movies uh, this weekend, obviously because of the, the wedding. But you, uh, you, you uh, single, unattached bachelor that you are, you can go to the movies whenever you want. Did you make it to the movie? There's nothing good that I saw uh, uh, coming yeah, out. Slim uh, picking. This is a rough stretch, although it's about to come to an end because – there are some good movies in October, like the, the Killers of the Flower Moon. I'm gonna read the book before I watch the movie. You know, so there's some good movies coming up. But uh, I want that's the uh, the Scorsese and, uh, epic, right? With Leo. Yeah, Leo, and... a three hour and thirty minute runtime. Like this is not even just three hours, three and a half. It's a ridiculous runtime. We'll see. This isn't fucking Netflix anymore, there, Marty. What are you doing, man? <laughs> but anything with Marty is good with me. Uh, so I went to go see Dumb Money. This came out last Dumb week. Dumb money. Oh, this is about the, the GameStop. Stock. Right. So basically, this yeah. was the GameStop. Basically, this is a ripped from the headlines movie. Usually, they'll have ripped from the headlines shows, like for like Law and Order. They'll have, you know somebody gets stabbed in New York, and they make an episode out of it. Uh, this had happened does like it, two does three years it ago. Center, does it center the, the guy who was sort of behind the whole thing, who ended up making like $40 million yes. on his GameStop so, so, trades? Yeah. The, the, the uh, point of view, the vantage point is basically... This is through the eyes of like uh, the the main guy who's played by Paul Dano, uh, who I'll get to in a second, uh, and then like some other like just in- people who saw his diamond hand stuff on Twitter and Reddit. Like there was a nurse, there was a college right, his, student. Uh, his handle on Reddit, I believe, is Roaring Kitty. Yeah, Roaring I don't remember Kitty. the guy's name. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and and then they also show the the rich schmucks. You know, Seth Rogen plays one of them, and then some other people play some others. Where basically, you know, they, they just kind of just talk about everything that happened over the course of like you know six months. And it's a um, serviceable movie, entertaining enough. Like it would be something that you would turn on on a you know HBO or Netflix. Like it's right. a good that kind of movie. It kind of hits all the main points, and it happened so recently that you rem- you know. I remember all of the stuff that just happened. Uh, but I will say, I'm watching this movie. Uh, my absent-minded thought was, I see Paul Dano. He's in the most of the movie. You know, like, it's just him and other people. And every time I see him, like, he was in The Batman not too long ago, uh, I'm like, oh, this guy, Paul Dano, he's going to have a great career, right? Like, And I, and, and I realized <laughs> I've been saying this for, like, 16 years because I went back to look. He was in There Will Be Blood. Uh, right. He was very good in that solid movie, Solid work way. in There Will Be Blood. Uh, he was just like in his 20s back then. But I just thought, oh, boy, this guy, you can plug him in anywhere. He, he is way too he is way too weird a looking dude to have a huge career, Abe. That's a very strange looking human and being. And there's the problem. So I was thinking, okay, why hadn't this guy the whole time of watching the movie? Because, again, this is a story everybody knows, so you don't need to like pay attention for every scene, right? It's just a... Goofy movie, but I'm thinking, like, why hasn't this guy made it big? And then in the movie, I don't know if this is true to life. I don't know if this aspect of Roaring Kitty is true. But in the movie, you know, they show him, like, 
doing a little physical exercise. He's kind of running around the track, right? And we are led to believe that he is trying to get at a four-minute mile, right? A four-minute mile, which is very impressive very number. Very fast. Yeah. Not until, until that Bannister guy broke the record. It, nobody could do it, and more people have done it since. But it's a very fast pace to maintain, you know, uh, a mile run. So I'm looking at this guy, and I'm like, I just don't buy that he could do. I mean, six-minute mile, yes. But there's no way this right. – and, and I think I realized that that's like he had like a very limited uh, range as far as what he you – know, he couldn't have played the Batman guy. He has to be the, the – you know the idiot no he's got a big stupid doughy sort of face (laughs) like he's a big sort of actually this is unfair to to him because not only did i uh uh balk at the the four minute mile uh scene but also like the shailene woodley is his wife i'm like oh come on this guy is getting carried away is he part of the casting he gets like a unreasonably attractive person as his spouse Uh, yeah no he's not a leading he's He's not he's a very good he's a very good actor he's not going to be a leading man type certainly well the moment has passed but uh, yeah it was a serviceable movie well good i am i remain fascinated by that i think it's one of the more interesting stories about uh sort of the world of high finance uh, that can possibly exist. And and I still don't think that we've gotten the, the whole situation What's there. weird is, I mean, they did kind of leave it up to like, you know, like he, you know, the, the Seth Rogen guy was the, the one that was in a bad spot because the way it's set up, I'm not like a stock person, but the way it was set up is like uh, they took certain actions that if uh, there was like unlimited potential for exposure, right? Like they could have... Right. He could have owed like all the money in the world eventually. If everybody just stayed to what they were doing, he could have lost a lot more than what he put in. He would have been like ruined. And in, in the movie, Robin Hood somehow decides to like prevent people from buying anymore. And all they could do is sell to kind of get these people. Right. With- yeah, that happened. That absolutely right. happened. So was- uh, and and it. It's not clear exactly why those decisions were made or from where – because the fact of the matter is is that who exactly owns Robin Hood isn't even necessarily clear. And it seems to be a case of some – Robin Hood is the, is the front of a sort of more standard financial institution and not – and they're not this – I mean, they call themselves fucking Robin Hood, right? I mean, <laughs> the whole notion is that they're giving the power of buying into the stock market to the everyday dummy uh, who's sitting at home on his phone. They, they made a meal out of that in the movie. These fucking animals. Yeah, I'm sure they did. <laughs> but the, the the question of who's actually making those sorts of decisions about all, all of a sudden you're not permitted to buy any more of these certain stocks, uh, you can only you're only permitted to sell them, is very strange, right? And the sort of thing that uh, like the SEC and other uh, regulatory authorities should be looking into and getting to the bottom of. Right, and, and it's not clear that they ever did. In this part, I, I forgot. I mean, this is only a couple of years ago. I forget a lot of things. This is a recurring theme in my life. But um, the Paul Dano guy, uh, to demonstrate his uh, commitment to the, this cause, he would, on the Reddit page, show that he's still invested, right? So basically, like, and right. that kind of galvanized everybody, and it ga- that gave everybody the confidence to also get in on it, right? And so at the same time as Robin Hood just for some reason changed their policy 
to where you could only sell, the Reddit page was taken down or it was right. closed. So basically the people who were counting on to see, okay, he's still in, I'm still in, we're still in, right? Diamond hands, blah, 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 blah. Basically that kind of created this uh, prisoner's dilemma kind of thing where you have not all the information. All you know is that uh, you can't see what other people are doing. You're limited from buying some more. And so you're thinking the worst. Like I am, I'm, my position is getting weaker and weaker, right? Without any more information. So I'm going to sell wherever I'm at. And at least I can salvage whatever uh, money that I want, right? So basically, which is what they were kind of trying to get to people to do. And so like those two things sound, I mean, the way they presented it in the movie is like, that, that that had to have been coordinated, right? Because basically, right. it accomplishes what they wanted to happen right? to, for people to sell it off, and and so that's you know the movie didn't get to the bottom of it because it, you can't prove all this, but they were kind of hinting that that there was some sort of backroom arrangement, right? Because there were there are concerns that this sort of activity done enough times by enough people could ruin the entire. Right like the entire global financial situation that, (laughs) that if you are able to act in concert with hundreds of thousands or millions of your fellow citizens to basically find where uh, Goldman Sachs and these other massive financial institutions have placed their bets and then simply stand in opposition to those bets, that the way that there are, there are uh, functions in the market that allow you, if you are acting in solidarity with other people, to sort, as you're saying, uh, th- the amount of money that they can lose, that they could hemorrhage, is infinite. Yeah. Uh, whereas you are, you're, as long as you are not doing the same thing that they're doing, uh, you stand to profit. Uh, uh, it is like a perfect handsomely. storm. You're right. Yeah. And, and that's what happened. But anyway, it's a really interesting story. I don't know, again, if I have. I look forward to seeing this movie at some point on the streamers. Uh, I suspect that there's a there's a much bigger and and more interesting story to tell than uh, Paul Dano Seth Green movie is is likely to uh, spell Seth out. Rogan. Oh, Seth Rogan. Sorry, uh, that that changes my calculus <laughs> entirely. Yeah. I mean, this movie probably didn't uh, do a lot in the theater. They're doing a slow rollout, uh, but I'm sure it'll be on whichever streamer sometime in October. Right. Uh, let's see. We, I don't think we watched much of anything. We just watched football, football, football. There was an awful lot of good football this weekend. Yeah, there was. Uh, uh, the uh, the Notre Dame game kind of ended uh, 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 in exciting fashion, although I didn't realize until after the fact, like a lot of other people, the Notre Dame defense did not field their full complement of players. They had like Yeah, I missed that as well. Apparently they only had 10 out there for the, the final push, that last yard. I'm not sure it ultimately it did, yeah but uh, but but uh, the funniest part i mean first of all i mean i had no idea that uh lou holtz was still alive like uh he did like a a, a little bit uh, for like college game day earlier in the day and he i guess said something that uh, did not please the head coach for ohio well, State. he did the uh you'll recall or perhaps not but back in the day pat die who used to be an auburn coach uh and was a georgia alum Played football at Georgia. He was a super old man uh, by the time I became a Georgia fan. He said that Georgia's not man enough to beat Auburn uh, in the lead up to some big. I forget which year it was, yeah. um, but it was it was sometime in the mid two thousands, I think. 
And of course that becomes locker room material and the, and then the t-shirts about, cause of course these fucking, everybody prints a t-shirt after every goddamn yes. game. And so the, the, the t-shirt that you would see all over Athens for years afterwards was just the score of that Georgia Auburn game. It must've been in the sec championship. One of the years that Georgia played Auburn in the sec title game. Uh, and it just said man enough. Uh, and then the score from that game. Uh, which, yeah, it's good. It's the, that's the sort of thing. But Lou Holtz did the same thing where he's like, I don't think under under Coach Ryan O'Day or whatever the fat Greg Maddox-looking guy is who coaches for Ohio State, he, he sort of looks like uh, – he, he does, doesn't he? I'm not wrong. Uh, sort of looks like an angry, fat Greg Maddox. Uh, he said that they weren't tough enough to beat Notre – to come into Notre Dame and win a big game or something like that, right? Yeah. And and uh, by the skin of the, his teeth, he wins. And like he immediately goes to that. Like it's not like it was like they won comfortably. They ah oh, eat shit, old man. Like it was like right. you barely won. Like come on, settle down. And I I don't like it when Ohio State wins things. Obviously, that's not to my preference. Uh, but I will say this was a day where I was rooting. And plausibly, you could have seen a scenario. Now it didn't work out this way. But early in the day at at noon, you had a nooner. At Clemson, oh, the FSU game, yeah, uh, with FSU, right? So to me, that was an obvious like I thought FSU was going to fucking stomp them. Now, as it turns out, they didn't stomp them, but uh, it did end in heartbreaking fas- fashion for those awful Clemson yeah. people, <laughs> where the, the like thirty year old kicker who was about to take a job right. on Wall Street they brought him back comes back. Was- he comes back. <laughs> One last hurrah because Dabo needed a kicker, and he comes back and he shanks Holy the game-winning shit. kick at what the a end. Shank. And this is not, you know, uh, a gay, you know, from the Colts kicker, fifty-plus yards, you know, that happened on Sunday. This was like a right. gimme. Like that was not a not a derogatory statement no, by Matt Abe. By the way, it's just I, place kicker it's his, for the Colts. It's his name, right? Kicked it down the middle. Uh, for the win, but like the Clemson kicker who they did mention, like, oh, he was gonna go on like Wall Street or some, he had some bright future. And old Dabo was like, oh, we gotta come back, bringing the band back together. We need, to, like, what are you gonna do this year, anyways? What are you talking about? He brings it back, right. and what a shank! <laughs> what a shank! Uh. Anyway, so we have the nooner, and I thought, oh, really good chance that there's going to be a bunch of sad Clemson people in that stadium, right? And this is what I root for in college football is the ideal scenario is that uh, large 100,000 people full stadiums of people that I generally don't care for will be sad at the end of the game. This is the ideal outcome of a college football game. I thought we were going to get a sad Clemson Stadium, followed by a sad Alabama Stadium because Alabama was home against Ole Miss, and I really felt good about old Lance Kiffin going into uh, Bryant-Denny Stadium there and getting a win in Tuscaloosa. Turned out not to be right. Uh, Ole Miss really shit the bed and let me down. But then, later in the night... I I was though I wasn't rooting for Ohio State. The best obvious outcome is for a stadium full of Notre Dame people to be sad at the end of the night. That's what you hope yeah. for, and that's what I got right. uh, ultimately. So two out of three ain't bad uh, in that regard. Also, uh, and it was Notre a, Dame. Uh, stop it with the uh, Oregon colors. Just wear your normal colors. 
Yeah, the color that all I mean, this is classic old man complaining about shit, but I I caught a glimpse of the Rams playing tonight uh while I was trying to watch the Eagles yeah. and the Rams were in like uh just like uh, bright blue leotards. Oh, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Wear normal goddamn clothes or uniforms. We have one color for the pant and one color for the top. That's what a uniform looks like, not the not the jammies. You look ridiculous <laughs> out there. But yeah, really fun weekend of college football. Probably uh, for the first time have, has has yeah. there been a situation this year where it's like, man, I don't know which game to watch. There's like six games on right now. That would be really fun to watch. And also, uh, 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 Dion, Coach Prime, gets his oh, ass kicked just, out there in Oregon. Destroyed. Yeah, no, this was yeah, this was uh, the the best slate of games for Saturday. Um, I'm not sure if there'll be. An, I'm sure there's usually like one more weekend like this, like in October, November. Uh, before the right. the end, and then the NFL was fun too. Uh, I didn't watch really anything. I just placed my bets and then went about my life. But I tuned in late to catch uh, some highlights. And I look at my phone, and it says that Miami has scored seventy <laughs> points. And I thought that can't be right. That must be some sort of mistake. But no, they beat Denver seventy to twenty. Over 700 total yards. They could have tied the record, but they just kind of. They could have beaten the record had they yeah. tried. I think they had. They still had like six minutes yeah. to go when they got the the ball back and they moved it handily down the field. They easily could have scored an 11th touchdown, but their coach was like, uh, he said something in the interview afterwards about karma. He's like, you know, we don't want to be that sort of team. He's like, man. <laughs> You put up 700 yards and 70 points, and you're worried about karma? Uh, that's Sean Payton over there. Sean Payton is a bastard, and it is totally fine. Like, this is the, this is, you're confused about karma yeah. because this is karma coming back for Sean Payton. This is not, this doesn't concern you, Mr. Coach of the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. Get your fucking points. This is about uh, Sean Payton's karma, not yours. Right. Uh, very, uh, very tough start for Sean Payton, who talked a lot of shit about the former coach who was terrible, and now he's also right. terrible. Like, what was the... Oh, whole fantastic. Thing? And now, like, the, sh- is- the shit bowl is coming up this weekend, the uh, putrid Broncos versus the putrid Bears, who also got, like, destroyed by the Chiefs. Like, it's going to be a uh, rough watch this upcoming weekend. The Russell Wilson contract is not looking any better, <laughs> is it? <laughs> Anyway, we are, uh, as I said, we're off to Philadelphia this weekend for the, the wedding between the, the Andrew and the, and the lovely Dre. It should be a good time, uh, but we will be back to record fresh next Monday, hopefully. We're also going to see on Sunday, we have a crazy weekend. So we have uh, Thursday, the drive up, uh, rehearsal, etc. Friday is the wedding. Saturday, we're hanging out and doing post-wedding family activities. We drive back Sunday. Sunday... We have to go to a Dropkick Murphys concert. We have to, Lori. Well, I mean, I have to because, like, in our, for some reason, we thought we were buying tickets for a Monday concert. And it's like, it wasn't necessarily connected to our weekend away that we would be back and then ready to go to a Monday night concert. Uh, 
is going to be the kids' first concert, which is like Dropkick Murphys. Is, it's a funny first concert, right. I think, to bring our children to. Uh, but it, it should be a lot of fun. But like, we're going to get in the car on Sunday morning, drive our asses five hours home from Philadelphia, and then have to like unload the car and then go right back out to a concert. I guess it's going to be it's going to be a little bit silly. Uh, we're going to be a little bit punch drunk, sort of generally tired of each other, probably. But whatever, we're going to go out. We're going to have a good time. You know, see the concert on Sunday. And then hopefully we'll be back to record uh, next right. Monday night. Should be fun. It'll be uh, yeah, good times. The second uh, debate uh, is going to be. That's right. Uh, the second Republican debate is uh, Wednesday evening, I believe. Correct. Uh, and Donald Trump will not be there. Why would he? I mean, he he gained how many points since the last one? That's right. It doesn't show up, and he goes up in the polls. Anyway, you uh, you got anything else for us tonight, Abe? Nope. Well, I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then, and we'll talk to you next time. Later. That will get people engaged, and it's kind of like that. that, You know, like uh, show me the incentives, I'll show you the outcomes. These companies just want people to be on the site, right? So whatever you know, what watch time or whatever metric they're using, they want it to stay on longer. And so, like these are the ways that people stick around longer. People don't go into rabbit holes over some nonsense, right? Like. Like, you know, what's the, I don't know, something simple, like you would just look up and just move on. But if it's like some sort of violation of like, look at this evil fascist, you know, and, and you're against that, right. you're going to be on that side longer. And that, that's basically what they're just pushing. But everything's going to be fine, right, Abe? Yes. Isn't that your, yeah, I mean, that's, well, that's your general. This is no. the digestion process, you know? Like, people are trying to figure out a lot of this, you know, like in the stock market where, like, oh, this is already priced in. Like, you know, when they, they have advanced notice that the Fed is going to raise something by whatever, like, the market right. will kind of react to it. And by the time the news actually comes out, it was already factored in, right? So, like, a lot of the harm has already been priced in. We've already absorbed the harm, most of it, and we're on the other side of it. To some extent, I think you're probably right, but not because – not the way that you ought to be. But yeah. like I think that all of this shit has happened for a very long time, that people have always at the diner or at the barber shop or wherever the fuck people gather at the gas station sitting around doing scratch-offs. They just say and make up crazy fucking shit and they believe it and it's – that's how misinformation has always traveled. It's just the way that people talk with one another. Right. Um, there is something about the performance of that in uh, this weird combination of the public-private space that is social media where you're always on. And you. you th- it seems like there used to be a way that when you left the gas station after shooting the shit for an hour with your buddies – that was the end of it. Yes. And then you went on and you did other things or you leave the barber shop, or you leave the coffee and then you're on with the rest of your life. There's n- n- it's never turned off anymore. And that's the fundamental thing that's changed, I think. So that's why to some extent, I think you're right. It's all fine. It's all priced in. This is just part of the human condition, but the technology matters. This is the, like, there's a new, there's a dramatically new element involved and it's this, complete inability to turn it off or just make it go away right anyway we should probably start the show although i don't know how much attention i'll be paying to my own words never mind yours as i watch this eagles game on my phone consider it one
The proceeding was created with 100% human content.